get started, huh? Started in here. Oh, I wish we didn't record that part. <laughs> <laughs> screwed over today because of that. And technology. So, I think that we're, we got a little Canadian cast connection there. Hey. Tenuous. Tenuous at well, best. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Canadian episode 233. We're your weekly source for community strategy, and technology, hosted on mtgcast.com and our home site, commandercast.com. We're recording this on January 21st, 2016. I am your host of the show, William, and join me as always is my pretty co-host, Mark. How you doing today, sir? Good. How goes it, Will? It's going pretty good. I'm a little rattled right now, but it happens. So, Calvin will be joining us in a little bit. Clay is apparently prepping for Snowpocalypse 3.0 this year, so oh. it's going to be me, Mark. And then we actually have a guest for today's episode. We've got Kathy Silver of TCGPlayer.com. Hey, how's it going? Eh, it's going all right. So, Kathy, <laughs> you write for TCG Player. You write about EDH. What else do you do? Uh, I own a game store in Geneva, Illinois, called um, Gaming Goat Geneva. And uh, that's pretty much about it these days. Just uh, laying low, I guess. Not really. I have no idea. So, Kathy's going to be here. Kathy's going to be... Kevin actually requested him specifically, so we're gonna have at least two, two threes of the. What, what was the original podcast called again? Uh, Off Color Cast. There we go. Yeah, that was re- bad. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic wrestling podcast. <laughs> True. <laughs> it was. What is Christian up to nowadays? Uh, he's he got married and has like a stepson, so he's uh he had to grow up real fast. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> He had, to go, oh, from, he had to go from creepy Sucks. internet perv, yeah, to an adult, exactly. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, I don't like the dust. <laughs> when you say creepy internet perv and becoming an adult, you remember that the two aren't mutually exclusive, right? Well, that's, I mean... Uh, that's the unfortunate thing. Yeah, well, I'm just saying. So, at this point, we'd like to do favorite commanders of the week to go ahead and get things going. So we'll go ahead and start with Mark. Mark, who's your favorite commander this week? Oi. Um, well, I mean, after last... Not last week, I guess it would be the week before when we started talking about um Calvin's Boros Reanimator deck. I've I've really been interested in trying to play around with uh Brian Stoutarm. So like a Brian Stoutarm Reanimator deck seems funny and stupid. So I haven't put it together yet, but I don't know, pitching little creatures at people's faces and then like getting them back through dumb reanimator effects seems like something I want to give a shot. So Alright. So Cassidy, who's your favorite commander this week? Um, you know, uh, I think I'm kind of going back to my roots, especially with all these, uh, these big colorless creatures coming out. So I'm, uh, I'm gonna say Omnath, uh, Locus of Mana. I've been playing him for a really long time, like, that's kind of how I got my start on TCG Player. I had a website dedicated to him, so, uh, he's an OG. So yeah, that's, he's my favorite now. Wait, again. wait, a whole website dedicated to just Omnath? Yeah, sorta. Of. I mean, it was a web, it was a, it was a, a magic, uh, uh, website, but it was, it was, it was based on Omnath. 
I yeah, man, I you can't it. handle the nap. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he knows. That thing was awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I actually, it's probably still up, honestly, because it's on auto pay, uh, the GoDaddy <laughs> domain. <laughs> so, yeah, I had, I had a Photoshop picture of Omni with like sweet, um, uh, sweet like wrestling gear on and shit. Hold on, hold on, what website was it? Uh, you can't handle the NAF.com. I don't know if it's still up there. Yep, it's still there. No, I haven't posted on it in like probably four years, but yeah. Ooh, you know what? I need to put a link to the show notes. <laughs> Dude, the one the one thing I learned from that website is that if you put pictures of magic cards on your website, you're gonna get a million hits. It doesn't matter what I did, like <laughs> you would just get a million hits from people searching uh via like Google Images or something, so Hey man, take the traffic where we can get it. Exactly. Yep. Oh man, this is like amazing. It's old school, man. That's real old. That was, I mean, I kept doing it a little bit after I started for TCG Player, but once, like, uh, once I started hanging out with, like, uh, Andy, um, and then Calvin and stuff like that, I really stopped doing it. Yeah. All the way back in 2012. Yeah. Man, that was such a big year. <laughs> yep. Alright. So then, describe what happened when, you know, the new OmNap came out for you then. Um, well, I mean, uh, I've always, I've been playing Boba Rigmos, um, in Rage for a really long time. So I just basically kind of threw the new Omnath into that deck. Cause I wanted to try it out. We're old friends and stuff like that. And then he works totally well with what Bobo's got going on. So that's pretty much what, uh, I think of, um, the new Omnath. <laughs> like, he's cool. He's not as cool as the old one. He's, he's not mono green, but, uh, he fit in what I, with what I was doing anyway. So we can be pals, you know? All right. So going on to my favorite commander of the week, this week I'm going with Abyssin Guardian Angel because she is going to be my starter commander for a brand new video series that I'm working on. So the idea is that I've been working on for the, I've been thinking about this idea for the past couple of years, I want to say, where you guys know how people like, uh, Brian David Marshall have like the one commander deck that they have, and that's the only commander deck they ever play, right? Like, mm-hmm. like it's their favorite deck, they don't really feel the need to, to build more because it's just that's everything they love, and they spend like years and years tuning and refining this. And looking at new sets and trying out maybe a couple new cards that come out. I always thought that was a really cool idea. The problem is, I have like 27 decks because I compulsively need to have one for every color combination. So I don't really get the depth of, depth of, of refinement that someone like BDM would get just from playing that one deck over and over and over and over and over and over and over. So I thought, well, what if I could go back in time? You know, like, just event commander from the very, from the moment that magic became a thing. So, let's go ahead and take my commander now, go back to Alpha, build a deck out of just those cards. Then we go ahead and add cards set by set, playing some games as we, as we uh, add cards to figure out what's working, what's not, and it kind of refines this commander over time. And that way, I can also increase my Moto collection small steps at a time. Hmm. Oh yeah, that makes sense on Moto. I was going to say, that's going to be tough, because... <laughs> yeah, no, like, no. that's going to suck at Alpha, man. <laughs> no, that's the only way I'd be able to afford a force field, which okay. I do have a Moto now, which is sweet. Yeah, because yeah. it's like, what is it, like 10 cents or something on Moto? It's a bomb. It's awesome. At most, it's like... Yeah. There was some pretty sweet things about Moto. Like, oh, cool, Aiden Oaken Shield for a nickel? <laughs> yep. yep. And I get all my stuff through MTGO Trader, so I can actually just pay cash rather than having to mess around with, like, the whole ticket system. The ticket system was giving me headaches. Like, the fraction of the tickets, and some of the bots are going to hold on to your fraction of tickets. Like, no, just let me throw money at, at the screen, get my cards, and get out of there. You know, I, I would spend, like, maybe half an hour building a card of, like, commons and uncommons and shit, and then, like, 
uh, it would just close on me. <laughs> I think that's the reason <laughs> I stopped playing Emoto. Like, like yeah. I really can't build this. This this has happened seven times in a row. Okay, I'm done. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. For, fortunately, anti-geotra is is a lot easier to use after you use like the initial time. Because okay. the first time they use you use it, you have to go through like several steps to make sure that it's you, that it's not someone trying to you know scam the accounts or whatever. But after you get those initial steps done with your first order, every other order after that's just gravy. Like, oh, that's not cool. Like you go, like you order it online from like uh, like an actual magic website, like off of Star City or whatever, or PCG player. Hey. Word. And you can choose like a like human checkout or or bot checkout. The bot checkout is usually faster. You wait like about five minutes, and the bot will get to you, and you can have the bot initiate a trade with you, and you know, all your cards will be there. You just drag and drop, and then boom, they're yours. Cool. So that made the process a lot easier. Do they have it on the phone yet? Probably not, huh? That game's way too complicated. As I'm sitting here with Hearthstone on my phone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The only downside I found to building a deck out of just alpha cards isn't that there enough, isn't that there aren't enough cards. Like I was able to build a 38 land deck full of artifacts and white cards. And in paper, it it would look fine. But some of those cards aren't actually on Modo. Uh, that is also true. Yep. I don't get to play any of the color wards, which I was looking forward to playing. I don't get to play Lance or Holy Armor <laughs> or Helm of Chutnik. I was looking forward to playing Helm of Chutnik. <laughs> uh, you don't need the bands, man. You don't. You just don't. No, I, I was looking forward to it. It's like, okay, this is Alpha. Let's go balls to the walls, completely Ulta. Like, they have they have Banalish Hero on there, but they don't have Helm of Chutnik. Yeah, there's probably a good reason for that one. Well, the Holy Armor reprinted like four or five times or something. Uh, apparently not. Oh, oh, oh well. Like, Holy I, mean, I still have my revised copy, but that means fucking nothing on Moto. Like, I'm actually gonna look this up real quick just to see where it's printed. Holy Armor. Let's see. Holy Armor was only printed in original Alpha, Beta, Revised, and Fourth Edition. Okay, Fourth Edition. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like you might be thinking of Holy Strength. But this is literally holy armor where the creature gets O2 and then you can pay white to pump up the toughness. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. But yeah, holy strength is the one that was I was thinking of at first, and then I remember. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yep. So we're gonna find out if Abyssin really is the commander I want to use as my white model white commander. I'm no. actually looking at the new Linvala because I like her effects quite a bit. So we'll see oh, what happens yeah. there. But we'll get that. One. Oh, yeah, I was thinking you were talking about Linval. You are talking about the, the Avacyn from uh, M15, right? Yeah, Pocket Avacyn. Oh, okay, gotcha. Interesting. All right, so, if you like what we do here at Command Cast, the Cast, you know, the whole network thing, Rivals Duel, the articles, this show, I, I mean, I hope you like this show, you listen to it, then go ahead and consider supporting us on Patreon. You can actually just give us the tip and leave a $1 tip you know, when I get the video series going, I'll be able to post that early for people who are donating a little more. But if you just want to give us a tip, that'll be just fine. So go ahead, look us up on Patreon. We're the Commander Cast Network. All right. So first up, we're going to go into our community segment today. And in a timely session, the rules committee has come up with some rules changes. Stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back. And parts like this, I wish Calvin was here because he was really good at following up on that pitch. <laughs> Just the tip. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> that's, that's, more, that's what it was.
So, in today's community section, we'll be talking about the changes that were made to Commander, which I don't know if you knew this or not, but it's actually kind of prevalent to what we do here at Commander Cast. So, let's go ahead and get these done in, honestly, least Im impactful to the most impactful, maybe? I I'm going to pick an order here. The first thing we're going to talk about is the Mulligan Rule, because it's the Mulligan Rule. The general idea is that, you know, Vancouver Mulligan, you know, the idea that you got a Mulligan, and if you go down to less than your seven, you get to scry one in, in your normal magic game. It's how it's been for standard, your FNM, draft, modern, all that fun stuff. You know, that's what we're going to go with to start with. I don't know about you guys, but we've kind of just been stapling the Vancouver scry to on top of the partial Paris. So, like, if hmm. you have the partial to lower than seven, which I've had to do a few times, you get your scry. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, uh, a lot of the games I've been playing have been with, um, been, uh, like the, the French one-on-one version. I and mean, we've been, they, uh, they adopted Vancouver right away. So, like, this doesn't really change much for any of us. So, like, that, that part didn't really bug me at all. So, um, and honestly, like, uh, everyone's unhappy with it though. It's the old partial Paris was, uh, much better for just like consistency's sake. And, uh, you know, the, now the Mulligan is basically the exact same as, devi as designed for, um, you know, the competitive format, which doesn't really make too much sense. Um, but, you know, it, people people just deal with it. You know, it's actually easier to make all the Magic formats have the same Mulligan rule, uh, even like, um, in this case, like uh, multiplayer and standard will have kind of the same Mulligan rule. That makes it so when you get someone new into the game, at least they can... You know, they won't be so confused, and they won't do the wrong thing when they're playing standard, which is happening a lot, you know. Uh, little kids that are learning the game are like, oh, yeah, we're not playing EDH, and then they're, the person they're playing against in standard is just like, god damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm kind of glad on that that front that, like, at least it's all getting kind of, like, smoothed out uh, across the game. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, you know, even with uh, even with last year's Tuck rule, like, it just makes more sense. I think it's a little easier for newer players. Like I, I think they're they're definitely trying to make it easier to kind of you know switch between formats um, mm -hmm. and not have some of these kind of weird like commander only rules that, that that people might get upset about if you didn't know when you were coming in. So I think it's, it, to me it's fine. I don't know. I've been playing around a little bit with the the Vancouver Scry. Um, it's okay. I think mostly I've been playing around with it because Moto adopted it. So um, and I play online a lot. Uh, a lot more than I do in in real life. So, but hey, even in real I'll, life, like it's okay. Hey, I'll be joining you. Um, so if uh, if you're playing the commander version on um on Moto, like mm -hmm. it currently has it anyways, like the yeah, it has the okay. scry anyway. Okay. It, you gotcha. can't actually do any. You could never actually do like a partial Paris anyway. Oh, I see. So okay. you know, so now it's just it's the same as like Moto was always just like. Every format with the same mulligan rule. Like, uh, who knows? Maybe they couldn't program it in, or they just didn't program it in. I don't fucking know. But uh, um, it, it makes sense why they might make that change too, because you know, there's there's always a lot of lot of suspicion that they the rules committee makes some decisions based on what'll work on Moto. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> we kind of talked about that with Sheldon last time, I think. But add more fuel to conspiracy fire. Yeah, well, you know, conspiracy two confirmed. Oh god, that'd be uh, awesome. Well actually Vintage <laughs> Masters maybe confirmed sort of by conspiracists. That'd be so cool. Ooh. I would have you, that. have you guys heard about the Vintage Masters rumors? No. Apparently uh, in February during the pro the pro tour, um they're gonna announce uh Vintage Masters, which is gonna be an actual printed card set, you know, with basically vintage and legacy staples, you know. Ooh, so uh res reserve list go bye bye? 
No, they're going to avoid the reserve list, but there's plenty, there's plenty of amazing cards that need reprinting that aren't going to touch the reserve list. You know, four yeah. and uh, Zendi mm. fetch lands, any, anything that, that is expensive and needs reducing in price. And maybe it'll even help in modern, cause modern's ridiculous right now. I, that's true. How, that's true. How can I convince my boss not to open every single pack he gets? <laughs> uh, the MSRP is gonna be ridiculously high, so you just, <laughs> you yeah. just like it. And yet, I know people will buy those booster packs because they want a chance to get them. Well, and, you know, EDH players are gonna love it, cause, uh, you're going to get cards that have always been too expensive because of formats that you don't care uh, with about, you know? <laughs> well, I want to waste like, oh, 70 bucks, never mind. Well, I'll just I'll just wait for the miracle when they reprint it. Oh, look, it's coming. <laughs> so, moving on to the next thing. So, I seem to remember an episode where we were talking about the change in the tuck rule, and I proposed that a certain rule get changed and taken out entirely. That's right. Uh, this actually happened now. So, mana works exactly like it says on the card. Which is a weird thing to say, but remember, for the longest time in EDH, we have had this rule that says, anytime you make color outside of your color identity, it just becomes color. Like, when Urborg's on the field, you can avoid, you know, City of Brass' Pinyu effect by tapping it for the colorist instead. Now you can actually just get black from the, your friend's Urborg. Your City of Brass can make black and you take a, da- take a damage. Your Birds of Paradise can actually tap for any color. The mana rules that restricted that just went bye-bye. They called it Rule 4, which I don't know why they were calling it Rule 4 other than there's no real clean way to label this rule. So, awesome, so. Yeah, so mana <laughs> actually works exactly like you think it works. There's no extra step here. It just does what you want it to do. And personally, I'm happy about that because now my Rexio wants to touch all your things deck can actually touch all your things. Jesus, you don't really call it that, do you? <laughs> of course I do. <laughs> God damn it, Will. <laughs> it just wants to touch all your things. I just know, man. Oh. I mean, I could call Rexio Kleptomaniac, but that doesn't really... It's not... It doesn't really roll the tongue. No, man. I mean, I'm glad I guess you went with Kleptomania. So, like, that was where I was going, so I'll just leave it there. That's fine. <laughs> I'm gl- I'm glad that now we can make any color mana. Although I remember a buddy of mine told me about this rule, and then his next comment was, "Sweet, send triplets just got even better." I'm like, Fuck <laughs> you, dude. Fuck you. Yes, yes, they did. Yeah. What do you think, I, yeah? Um, you know, I like uh, I like it. It makes more sense, and again, I like it, the game kind of making more sense for everyone. I'm really actually curious if 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 you play Commander right now on MTGO. Will and you tap a bird of paradise? Will it will it make any color mana you want and not make it colorless? Just curious. Mm. <laughs> that's interesting, huh? I mean, I'm in white right now, so I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna hop on tomorrow night and play with uh, Grandpa Growth for a little while, so I will I will be able to confirm next week, I guess. Yeah, I'm just I'm just curious because we've been talking about the the quote unquote conspiracy, but um, you know, it's it's fine. Uh, it doesn't really change much for me. I think it makes some more sense in general. Um, I kind of like the flavor of the commander not being able to make the color, but it didn't come up too often, and it really only comes up in, like, a few colors even, you know? Uh, I guess you can play a few colorless, like, helmet possession type stuff, but mostly it's a blue blue type of thing, or, like, a uh, a, a red type of thing where you're stealing cards a lot, or, um, or maybe green if, like, you know, you're given a card or something and you have a bird of paradise, you know? So, I mean, it's not... 
not like a universal effect. It's not like the tuck change quite where like that changed how a lot of things work, uh, how even like things getting bounced back to your hand work, that kind of thing. And I think I feel like this is more kind of narrow and you know, it's like whatever, cool, it's it's gone, you know, more more kind of uh or just less rules to have to teach people and have to deal with, you know. I actually like that it helps kind of encourages you to play those uh any color mana rocks again. Because it makes cards like uh, Bring the Light a lot better. Like, I actually played Bring the Light in my Prime Speaker Zero Icona deck. And I can try and shoot to get all five colors to tutor for something that costs five or less. You know, actually, the the one thing that I find interesting about this subject is uh, um, the dual commander format uh, actually went the other way. Where now if you're playing like a Bird of Paradise and you're playing like a rug deck and you try to tap black, it'll make colorless. And that's relevant because it then makes true colorless. Um, so... Like, uh, that's one of the reasons I was kind of talking about, you know, making it simpler and, and things being homogenous. Like, I really have a feeling that the fact that multiplayer commander and then dual commander have, like, the complete opposite take on the same rule is going to be really tough for my players. Um Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, so, like, I'm kind of worried about that. This is, like, the first real, I mean, this waste mana is, is kind of revolutionary. It's, like, the first time in a really long time that, you know, we had, like, as a community, you have to sit down and figure out exactly how that fits into a commander. Uh, maybe not as a community because we have rules committees, but you know what I mean. And, um, and, and it's, it's interesting they went like the complete opposite direction with it. And, uh, I'm not sure which one I like better. Um, I kind of like the, the one that the dual commander, uh, adopted because I want to play more Eldrazi and being able to drop them with City of Breath makes City of Breath a lot better in my opinion. Um, but uh, I just, I just find it very interesting that, um, that there's going to be two different versions of the same thing and we'll find out which one is actually better because they're literally, he had to make one of the decisions and they completely went a different way. So. Yeah. I have to say though, I prefer this way, not just for the Rex you want to touch all your things deck because I think it kind of makes colorless feel like I'm kind of talking about the true colorless, mm-hmm. like the new Kozilek, the new Eldrazi type thing. I really like that you actually have to find ways to create colorless mana outside of your soul ring. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we don't even play Soul Rings in one-on-one, but, uh, it actually, for me, it makes so that, uh, a lot of, like, uh, utility lands were kept getting pushed out because there's so much non-basic hate, um, are coming back. Like, oh yeah, like, uh, maybe I will play Homeward Path again because, you know, after a while it seemed terrible, but now, oh wait, it can help me cast Eldrazi, so this is pretty sweet, you know? Yeah, and also Pain Lands, too. Like, how often do you use Pain Lands in, in a multicolor deck? Uh, but now you might more, you know, if you want to cast Kozilek or, like, uh. Or even use Mirror Pool. Uh yeah, Mirror Pool is pretty good. I mean, I don't I don't want to overhype that card yet because uh I haven't used it yet, but I definitely put a copy into uh Omnath, so Yeah, but it changes how you think about deck construction, right? Because like yeah. I would easily put Mirror Pool into my blue red deck, but I don't have enough color sources in there to justify it. Mm-hmm. All right. So, that was the second big rule, but here's the one that actually ended up well, let me, let me, you know what? I need to get some context here. Let me go ahead and head to our Facebook page, because I actually have stats for this. Hold on. Okay. And, oh, okay. Code just decided to show up here. So, Facebook, when you run a Facebook page, the Facebook page gives you, like, stats, like how many people a post reach. So, like, me posting a, a random thing asking people a question that reaches almost 300 people. Mm-hmm. Our Fate Reforged post got, reached almost... 100 people, which is really, really sad. Yeah, yeah Facebook is, is, a, is a douche like that. You actually have to pay, like, at least five bucks to really get it out there. I know all about that. <laughs> yeah. So, like, our show posts and stuff like that, I think it from 100 to 300 people reached. When I announced on our, because 
this was actually almost up to the minute when the announcement was made. But I announced on our Facebook page that Prophet Krupa had been banned. And literally nothing else. That post reached almost 8,000 people. <laughs> Jesus. Well, so the website was down, though. So exactly. Like, yeah, I think that's the big reason. I, I only got it because I could only find out what actually happened when I checked your guys' uh, feed. So that, that would be my guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fortunately, one of my friends went and screenshot the form and then posted it in the comments of that so that people could see it. Exactly, yep. So thanks, Brian. Way to be a bro. <laughs> but, yeah, the Prophet of Crucifix was apparently so powerful it broke the forum. It didn't just break the format, it broke the forum. <laughs> so, Prophet of Crucifix banned. The reason that the Rules Committee gives us is that Prophet of Crucifix was so powerful that it was driving the reason why people would play blue-green in Commander, as opposed to playing blue-green and being like, oh, let's go ahead and put Prophet of Crucifix because it's a powerful card. It's, I want to play Prophet of Crucifix, so I guess we're building a blue-green deck. Yeah. It's also the... We also... I was talking about this with a friend just today when we were cracking open our case for Gatewatch. And we're like... He's like, yeah, this kind of needed to happen for a while. And, yeah. The rules can be also point out that when cards become really powerful or degenerate, sometimes people, they just kind of fall out of favor because people either get tired or, or their playgroup goes, yeah, we don't enjoy playing against the card. Mm-hmm. Which happens sometimes with, like, with Dead Eye Navigator. Either people don't like playing the repetitiveness of that card, or their playgroup doesn't like it, so they end up taking it out. No, apparently Magic players are just horrible people, because Prophet Krufix kept showing up. And, like, we've had this discussion on this show before, where it's like, yeah, you can't get mad if Prophet Krufix gets destroyed, because Prophet Krufix is literally just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So, let's go ahead and get your guys' insight on this. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm always kind of a little bummed out when they ban a green card and not a blue card. Uh, this thing's blue-green, so I guess it's kind of a happy medium for me, honestly. <laughs> I, I would have preferred to see Deadeye Navigator go, uh, but, you know, whatever. It's it's a good start. It's actually the right type of card to be banning for the right reason, so I'm I'm fine with it. Yeah, I'd say the same thing. Um, profit, Profit, you should have seen this coming, man. I mean, <laughs> it's... Like, not only do you get to untap everything, but you also get to cast things at instant speed. Come on. I mean, I'm glad that that Wizard pushes the envelope every once in a while on the power, but yeah, this was this was a long time coming. Yeah, and it wasn't even overpowered in any other format besides Commander either, too, so you know, <laughs> I guess that's our own fault. I mean, like, the fact that it's blue-green, uh, and they said that people were building blue-green just to have that card, like, I don't think that was very fair. I really kind of, like, I really didn't like exactly how they said it. Uh, you know, I never really do because I, they never, they don't do all the bannings I particularly like. And I've always kind of thought that they should either like have a really good ban list or no ban list because it's the half-assing of it. It really bugs me. Um, but, uh, this time the half-assness is the, is the reason. And I, I really like the, the choice at least. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. They never really get around to, I guess, I mean, they never really fully explain to anybody's satisfaction, it seems like. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, what are you gonna do? You're probably gonna never make any, anybody, everybody happy anyway. So I'm with Cassie on this one. Like, even if they don't come out with a satisfactory answer, like, it was the right target. Alright, so I'm gonna go ahead and link the actual post in the show notes, right where it says all the mana. There we go. So, they brought up the point that usually when they try and take, put something on the bandwidth, they try, they take a look at it to see if there's anything that can come off. And that, 
everything that's on there right now more or less should still be on there. Is there anything that, on there that you guys could reasonably say maybe they should have looked at this to come off the ban list? Come off of it? I'll say I'll say Amiracool and like Grizzlebrand and Primeval Titan, but you know that's probably not super creative or uh, super um, what's the word? Well received answers, especially Amiracool. I really don't I don't I don't really think Amiracool is overpowered in in a real sense because um, there's all sorts of things that a deck that can cheat him into play can do anyways, and uh and the notion that he's too powerful because he lets you take extra turns, but then like you can play against a blue deck that's going to take seven thousand extra turns and bore the hell out of everyone like. That doesn't gel with me, you know. So I think at least Emrakul could come back. Uh, and then, you know, Grizzle Brandon from Evil Titan, I think really, I really miss both those cards in multiplayer. Oh, actually, Ruffalo, too. I actually got in trouble because I put him in a, a multiplayer deck and people got mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot. Last time I was playing my model green deck, I forgot the Ruffalo's banned, and I'm like, oh shit, um, maybe yeah. I'll just cycle this guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's still that small part of me that's sad that they got rid of the ban as a commander part. Because you know, after Calvin brought it up, I was actually kind of hoping that they might say, yeah, you can have Emrakul, but only as your commander. Yeah. And that would have been cool. Like, I like Ulamog and Kozilek, but what about my flying spaghetti monster? Doesn't she deserve some love? Mm-hmm. Especially now that there's two Kozileks and two Ulamogs, and there's World Fine Worm, and and there's, and like, you know, why is White Steel Colossus, like, any better? You know what I mean? I just, uh, that bugs me. I, I really like Emrakul. We play, he's illegal in one-on-one. Uh, so I play him all the time anyways, um, in my Omnet deck, and, you know, it, it's, it's not a big deal. He always comes out on a tooth and nail, but it could be anything, really. Well, mm. if they do ever own Ban Emrakul, I've got my, I've got my version right here. <laughs> I don't know, I'm gonna be that dick and say, I wish they had unbanned Braids. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, like, that too. I didn't really ever think it was that bad, I mean, I played Braids, but I'm also the douchebag who likes stack, so, <laughs> you know. But I'm like, is it really that broken? Like, Eh, I don't know. I mean, I get as a commander it could probably be really annoying, but like stack stacks could be really annoying. Like I could put anything at the helm and just put a couple of smoke stacks in there and, and you know, uh, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> braids smoke is a... stack a couple times and just make everyone's life miserable. Yeah, braids is another one I miss. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's part of that that ban that they made uh last time. That was that happened right around when you guys had Sheldon on and I w- was on with you guys, I think. Yeah, yeah you're right. Like the week before or something, because that's kind of what we were talking about a little bit. So, was that the, yeah. yeah, was that the same time? Was that last year this time when they yeah. had the? Yeah, it must have been. Yeah, must, yeah. Well, that makes sense since we're it's a regular thing every year. <laughs> Light bulbs slowly flickering. <laughs> <laughs> so you can tell that none of us are particular. Are the the profit crewfix ban? It's one that we that none of us can really get mad about. I'm. I'm just a little bummed out because I like unfair things when I'm playing with them. Yeah, honestly, when other people are playing with them, I get super pissed off. But when I play with them, it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, that's what I used to say about prime time too. Yeah. <laughs> I like, mean, I... anyone... <laughs> like if you're on the opposite side from prime time, it's the biggest douchebag in the world. <laughs> if you have prime time, it's the best fucking card ever. Oh, <laughs> nice, nice maze of this jerk. And then you're like, yes, my maze of this. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's something that. uh Bill, aka Squee from Monday Night Magic, pointed out blue and green have been the real problem children for EDH. Like if you look at the band list, there's like a like one or two white cards, one or two black cards, one or two red cards. The Coalition Victory is in there, but 
most of the stuff that's really problematic happened either blue or green. Like Civil Primordial, Prime Time, Sway of the Stars, Trade Secrets. <laughs> yep. Just all the blue green stuff. And the, the black stuff makes perfect sense because it's like, it's like freaking young Ruth Bargain. Like, no. Just no. <laughs> yeah. Recurring, <laughs> recurring Nightmare? No, fuck that card. Yeah. No. Actually, surprisingly, that's unbanned in one-on-one and it doesn't make a splash at all, so there is that. <laughs> really? Yeah, no kidding. No, wow. It's not, it's not even that good, honestly. There's too much graveyard hate. Everyone plays one scavenging it, and it's just like, oh, never mind. <laughs> yeah, you, you would think people would play more graveyard hate in multiplayer, but no. Yeah, that's the spike and Timmy's and everyone. <laughs> Alright, so that about does it for the rules committee update. Not a whole lot. What they did talk, what they did do is gonna have the bigger stuff, I think, as we see later down the line when people start adjusting to these new angles they can take when they play their games. But for now, the worst thing is you get, you have to take out your profit crew fix, and hey, I happen to have an extra cyclonic risk, so I guess I'll just slide that in. Ugh. I hate cyclonic risk so much. <laughs> Oh my god! So yeah, I don't know if that one's ever going to be on the chopping block. Oh man, we we tried. We taught. We taught when we when we were on with uh Sheldon. We were like, the Congress too good, and you like, no, it's not. And we were all like, yeah, it is. Right? <laughs> it's really good. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really really good. Really? I mean, maybe who knows? Maybe Sheldon lives in a world where no one plays Cyclon- Cyclonic Rift. I, I, I mean, I guess that's a blue. Possible. Honestly, I think <laughs> it's a blue page. That's just my guess. Mm. All right. Here comes the new challenger! So, Clay, so, you are just in time to share your thoughts on the recent Rules Committee announcements, because we were... Oh, we, man. Because we, we just wrapped up that segment. Ah, okay. So, first uh, off is the Mulligan Rule. How do you feel about the Vancouver Mulligan? Um, I think it it's probably a change for the better, because I will admit to uh, taking advantage of this, but the Partial Paris Mulligan kind of promotes... Uh, much more loose deck building, um, and that you can sculpt a playable hand out of anything, even if you're running like two or three fewer lands than you should be. Um, it just kind of, I, I think the Vancouver rule is completely fine. There's a lot of shuffling to be done because of that, but it'll be fine. It'll be totally fine. Um, so this, so the next one is mana actually works the way mana's supposed to work. They got rid of it for flavor, which is totally fine. It also uh scoots around the uh awkward interaction of if I'm in a mono red deck and tap a dark steel and get for blue, can I spend it on a colorless mana on the diamond symbol? Mm-hmm. Um so I, I can definitely see why they got rid of that. Um Yeah. And now the big one. I, I was waiting for you to uh Segue into that. I think he's putting a drum roll in there right now. That's a drum roll. Finally. (laughs) Just fucking finally. Unfortunately, this means that some asshole went on TCG Player, bought every copy of Seedborn Muse, and they're now like $25, $30 cards. What? what? (laughs) Yeah, it happened over the last day. Um, I own so many copies of that fucking card. (laughs) Cash him in on Puka Trade. Yep. Oh, dear God. What? They are tw- oh yeah. How much are foils? I don't know about the foils. Uh, let's look at the tenth edition. Oh, yeah. tenth edition foils thirty-five. Okay. Which is like five dollars more expensive than the. Uh... Oh my God! I'm looking. I'm, I need to go to the MTG Goldfish. 
<laughs> yeah, dude, dude, just look at that this, grass. This is, this is what working at the store has done to me. The, this, I, I used to not care. I used to not care. I, I think Puka Trade is partially to blame for all of this, honestly. As wonderful as it is. Oh, dear God, that spike! Uh, yeah. It was $12! Like, I'm pretty sure the reason that this happens much more now is because Puka Trade exists. Because people will buy out all the copies, and then they'll jack the price up on TCG Player, and then people who have them on their want list will unwittingly have it at a much more expensive price, and they'll send them off. Yeah, and just jack points from people. That that actually does sound right. I'm I'm a member of a few groups who invite me in because they think I I'm good at magic finance, and uh, that's one of the, the tactics they use is uh they'll buy out and then they love Puka. I know that. Oh my God, it's Calvin too. Holy shit! <laughs> hey, cool. Or not? Oh, well, he needs to wait for a few minutes because otherwise, when he first co- connects, there's like a whole lot of static and stuff. Yeah. Uh-oh. But uh, I will say on topic. Um, I am very relieved to not have to worry about Prophet of Crucifix anymore, the one-card combo, the card that you just can't kill, mm-hmm. because the decks that play it can protect it way too well, and if you can't kill it, if they tap out for it and they can't, and you can't kill it that turn, they get immeasurable value off of it, even if it dies two turns later. If they leave up mana and don't tap out for it, they can protect it immediately, and then protect it even better when, it un- when you untap. Like... Yeva plus Seaboard Muse is fine because that's two cards. Putting them together, just why? <laughs> because it's for five fun. mana. For only five mana. Because it's fun for me. It's just not okay. It's just not okay at all. Well, I'm having fun. Isn't that what's important? Mm, it's debatable. <laughs> I rarely have fun when Prophet of Crucifix resolves. I'm glad to see you gone. It also gets rid of the oh, I'm gonna play on your turn. Which is just all right. Include a list to go. Include a link to the goldfish, and we have ourselves a Facebook post. Yeah, just um, one of the guys I follow on Twitter posts pictures of cards that spike with the graph, and it's just so ridiculous. Um, just like why? Uh, the foil god of uh, god traffic was like a hundred dollars for a little bit. Now it's like up to fifty, I think. Last time I checked, like a couple of days ago. So right. they buy out of bad cards all the time. <laughs> okay. So Calvin, you with us now? Here comes the new challenger. Calvin was, was ain't able to join this call and boom. Ah, they do move. Calvin. There's Calvin. A real prophet would have seen this coming. And I did not come up with that title. Mark did. I was bored when I was typing up show notes today. It's fucked up, Mark. <laughs> it's true, goddammit. What up? So, Calvin, how you been? I'm doing fine. Sitting here, chilling at the bus stop. Missed my bus. Waiting, waiting, waiting. Well, at least we'll be able to keep you company. And hey, we got your buddy here. What up, dude? Hey, Casshole, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, not much. Kind of late though, bro. I mean, not that that's not new. Uh, you know, that, that's just Calvin. Yeah, that's kind of my thing. <laughs> All right, so Calvin, now it's your turn. We're gonna ask you to weigh in on the rules committee changes. <laughs> First thing we gotta ask you is, how do you feel about the Vancouver Mulligan? As far as the Mulligan is concerned, I don't really give a damn. Uh, it, it, 
like this. I understand that the mulligan is divided or it's the same as in any other format or whatever the case may be, but I'm probably still going to stick with the same type of mulligan I normally do because that's <laughs> the one that my group does. So unless my group decides to change it, it doesn't really matter to me because it's a damn mulligan. I don't care about the extra, like, 2% that this saves me. <laughs> all right, so what about the fact that you can make all the colors of mana now? Uh, that's a rule change that I'm actually happy for. It's one that we've been kind of calling for for the longest, or at least I know I've been. Cassidy, you've been on that train with me, right? Yeah, I mean, now that there's a the colorless mana symbols, I'm kind of, I'm kind of interested in both ways, but yeah, I agree with you there. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, because I'm pretty sure, like, that was something that we were discussing, like, way, way, way back when it was, like, me, you, and Christian doing the off-color cast. Oh, I'm sure. That's when we were talking about, like, rules that we you, wanted. You, you wanted to be off-color when you were doing off-color cast? Oh, yeah. Man. I wanted to play off-color in my commander. Uh, yeah, I mean, my segment was always based on rules, so I'm sure we talked about that at least a few times. We had 50 episodes before we just hated each other too much to continue. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, Kevin, you're aware that this is only about the mana, right? You still have a color identity. And that shut him up. I'm not, like, I'm not <laughs> stupid, William, I understand. And no, <laughs> it's not William shutting me up. It's cars <laughs> driving fast that are shutting me up. <laughs> the traffic of which William controls <laughs> that I don't like editing throughout the week. You have no idea how much harder editing Commander Cast has become now that I'm out here in the fucking streets. <laughs> I mean, it's hard for an editor on those streets. Yeah. But, I mean, if you get robbed or something, we'll record it. <laughs> you'll have evidence as long yeah, as you have... mute yourself. Yeah. Like, like, I'm muting myself like, please, please, sir, don't take my wallet. Oh, no, anything. Any, anything but the Aaron Mason. Please, just, just leave me that. All right. So, what about the big one? Profit of Krufix getting banned? Uh, Profit of Krufix getting banned doesn't really affect me because, one, I don't have any. And, two, <laughs> it kind of pisses off my brother because he has about seven. <laughs> <laughs> like, I could, uh, what was it? Uh, did you ever, did you see that picture of the, uh, Lay's potato chips flavored of enemies, uh, Tears of My Enemy? Yeah. With the extra salty? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like as, like as I told him and informed him about the changes to the rules and this stuff like that, because I kind of had to break down to him why the color change, why rule four had to be lifted, and it's kind of difficult to talk to him while he's over the phone because I'm telling him about the waste basic land, but he thinks I'm talking about wasteland. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, and he's he's like, no, I don't understand why wasteland has anything to do with this. Like, no, no, it's not wasteland. The wastelands. He's like, hey, I've got like six of them. I don't understand why. <laughs> this is an issue. It's like, like, no, no, they're basics now. Like, no, they're not. They're like, oh, okay, fine. Like, dude, I would want to run any number of copies of Wasteland in my deck. Yeah, I think good. If Wasteland were basic, that'd be. Anyways, <laughs> well, yeah, so after after going through the whole concept for the, I didn't get. I didn't waste the time telling him about the mulligan because it was one that I read over and I completely forgot it was even a thing. And then when I talked to him, I was like, I, uh, I was like, here's the key you need to know. Point one is the color and point two is the profit. And I didn't get to the profit until after I fully spent like a good, like 20, 30 minutes talking to him about waste and the color thing and how Bird's Paradise is now better. <laughs> On the plus side, the color thing helps experiment crowds because now he can just go right ahead and put a plus one counter on anything, and now he can just use that colored mana as he sees fit for white activated abilities and green and blue and black and whatever. Nice. 
On the downside, now profit, um, uh, Experiment Garage loses profit at Crufix. <laughs> so and I consider no it to be a fair trade. No one cares. Yep. And so I, per- I personally consider it to be a fair trade. Give up the profit, but have access to all these extra abilities that um, Experiment Garage couldn't do before. Number one in my book. And finally, Calvin. So, Seaborn Muse spiked another $14 by this profit ban. Anything on that? Nope. Don't care. <laughs> I, don't, uh, I, don't do, I don't do finances. I don't get involved in the financial aspects of cards. If a card goes too far out of my range, if I have it, I don't buy it. If, if I need it and it's too high, I still don't get it. It's find something else. All right, then. So, that about gets everyone as far as rules committee stuff. Now we can go on to our strategy section where we're going to... Uh, take a look at the brand new commands that we get with Oath of the Gatewatch. Yay! And that was all of the in-between dangles. So, have fun editing that, Calvin. Eh, I'll get around to doing it. Trust me. <laughs> like, like... Okay, fellas, I'm gonna disappear real quick. Alright. Get on that bus, bro. We're putting Calvin on the bus, and he's not gonna be back. For a while. <laughs> nope, I'm not getting on the bus. Someone keeps trying to call me while I'm on the Skype. So I'm going to get off Skype, answer this phone call, and I'm going to hop back on Skype, and I'll be right back. All right. All right. So now that we're done with that, we're going to go ahead and go into our Oath of the Gatewatch preview show, which, by the time you're hearing this, we just had release weekend. So hope you don't, you don't value our opinion that highly and rely on us for your buying purchases. <laughs> but we are going to go ahead and talk about the new commanders in our next video. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Yes, oh, the gate watches up. I can go ahead and search real quick. Yeah, it's on, uh, it's on magic cards down as well. Yeah, yeah! My go-to search engine. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep, I was right. There are only seven legendary creatures in the sets. I got them all. Gatewatch and the consolidation of two mediocre blocks into a solid small set, we have some pretty decent cards to talk about. So the first thing we're going to do, do is go through all seven of these new commanders, and Mark is going to kick us off with General Tazri. General Tazri. Alright, so General Tazri is a five mana, three four human ally legend. No one cares about any of that though. He's four colorless, one See, white. I, I think people care about the, the creature typing there. Yeah, the ally is pretty important kind of thing. Well, damn, I didn't even get to the, the ally part. Fine, <laughs> fine, fine. All right, people care about allies. I know, I'm the ally guy. Let's talk about some fucking allies, people. <laughs> so, when Tazri enters the battlefield, you may search your library for an ally. Dude's an ally. He's the general of the fucking she is. allies. She? Is it a she? Yeah, it's a she. Really? Yeah. Okay. I can't see the... Sure. Okay, I'll go with you on that one. <laughs> the... Uncharted Rose, right. bro. Okay. Uh, yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's hard to tell, but yeah, I could, I could see. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We'll go with that. Whatever. Fuck it. 2016. She cares. <laughs> so, um, you can search your library for an ally creature card. Reveal it. Put it into your hand and shuffle your library. That is honestly, I think, the coolest part about this card. But it also has a sweet kind of like ally overrun effect for Wooberg. So one white, one blue, one black, one red, one green. Uh, ally creatures you control get plus X plus X until end of turn where X is the number of colors among those creatures. I can't decide. I mean, I haven't actually been able to play with General Tazer at the helm of my five-color allies deck, but 
I can Im- I can't imagine that I would use the second ability more than I would use the first ability. Like just using the first ability, I don't know, maybe killing Tazri or, or chump blocking something else just to get that ability again. Like being able to search out the right ally at the right time, I think especially in like a big five color allies deck would be the best thing about that card. Um so it's kinda yeah. sweet that we got our own little like ally tutor. Yeah. She's also not great if she's like the only card in play with that ability. <laughs> so it's like yeah. yay. But I can I mean, just keeping five mana up is enough to like probably scare the crap out of the rest of the table for like the entire game. You know what I mean? So I, I do agree it's kind of <laughs> underwhelming at sometimes, but it's like it could happen at any time, oh my god. You know? Yeah, <laughs> she's super sweet. Like the casting cost is my this is sad, but the casting cost is my favorite part about this card. You know, like yeah. four Carlos and a white, that's a that's pretty sweet for if like a Especially in a deck where a lot of the other allies, it's not so much this set, but if you notice, like, a lot of the original Zendikar allies, they had a really nice casting cost in that, like, it was mostly colorless mana and then just one color on the back end. Some of them, like, Muramoth and Pyromancer had, like, two, like, you know, like, two red or something or two green, Uh, but most of them were, like, very splashable in a five-colored deck. So honestly, like the uh, the ally five color thing, it's probably obviously it's gonna be more of a deck now that we have a new general for it. Um, but surprisingly, um, surprisingly castable in a lot of colors. So I was really happy to see four colorless and a white. She's really, she's really, really good. Like strong. You know, they could have really half-assed like the the big lead. Like, uh, what's that guy Munda? He was so bad. Like, oh Munda. Weren't you the one who's actually almost convincing Calvin that Munda's playable? Uh, yeah, I tried. And then I tried Kalemne, <laughs> and now I'm back to Gisela. <laughs> <laughs> that, that seems like the, like the stages of grief or something, yeah, you know? Or like yeah. denial, acceptance, anger. Yeah, <laughs> like, terrible, terrible. Alright, let's just go back. <laughs> Although there's more allies now. That was the other thing too. I was waiting for more allies for Munda. I haven't even really thought about it too much because, you know, General Tazri seems much better, but, uh, I'm sure I'll get around to seeing if Munda's Good again. We'll see. Yeah, you can actually just play Kazri as like a white X ally commander. Like if you just didn't want to play five color, you could actually just play her as the red white commander. Yeah. If yeah. Muna doesn't exist, put like Fist of the Sun in there just <laughs> just for the fun. <laughs> so Mark, since you're gonna have to leave at, at around nine o'clock, why don't you go ahead and give us your impression of this set's allies? You were pretty upset last the Falcon card that a lot of the allies were really bad. Did they fix that at all? Um, I'm more excited about the allies in this set. Um, I mean, the last set, you know, I I know I said a bunch of times, like, even in an allies colored, even in an allies heavy set, there weren't that many allies I would actually play. Um, I mean, fucking Munda always just, he just burns me so many times. Yeah, that goddamn shit. Um, but now, like, there's some really cool ones, like, uh, Stonehaven Outfitter. I mean, anytime a white card says draw a card... And it's not a cantrip. Like I'm really excited. So like, duh, like that looks pretty good. And skull fire pillow. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, like, oh, I mean, it's not technically an ally card, but Oath of Gideon is pretty sweet. I I will probably try out Oath of Gideon just because uh, like my ally deck. Like I don't know what other people's ally deck do, but mine is built around just stupid ally triggers. So and like just having two, uh, like the ability to pay three mana and get two white allies on the battlefield, or just any allies, would do it for me. Um, so that one's pretty pretty cool. I mean, it also has that neat little loyalty counter thing, which I would come in less. Like, I don't play that many, but I guess maybe in a Super Friends deck, that would be kind of sweet, sort of. Even you know. giving, like, Elspeth a, a plus one, or, like, you know, like, uh, the three mana, um, 
a Johnny, you know. Like, that, yeah. it, it seems good anyways, you know, because, like, it's not a big deal, but the benefit is so huge, especially in white, I feel, you know. Mm, yeah, definitely. I mean, they definitely picked the right uh, the right color for, for that effect. Um, yeah. But they also had some, some neat stuff. Like, I don't know, the cohort mechanic, I'm not really sold on. Um, I mean, I'll have to see how it plays out. Maybe it'll be awesome. Like, things like Drawn is Chosen, you know, the tap and un, uh, tap and untapped ally you control and put a 2-2 black zombie onto the battlefield. Like, that's kind of neat. But some of the other ones, it's like, eh, you know, I don't, I mean, like, I would definitely be putting, like, Malakir Soothsayer in there to so tap an ally and draw a card and lose life. Like, yep, I will tap it to do, like, Lady Fingers, or half a Lady Fingers. Lady Finger, I guess. So. But the fingers are still attached to the lady. To one finger? I don't, fuck, fuck, I lost a metaphor somewhere <laughs> in there. Shit, I don't know. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it, I mean, they're not, they're not super overpowered, but they seem like I, I am less angry. Like, I was angry at Battle for Zendikar. I'm like, you motherfuckers, <laughs> like, you made an ally set that I don't give a shit about. Like, fuck you. Fuck you so hard. So, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm more excited about the, the things that are non-allies in this set, but whatever, I'll give it a pass. So. Alright, so, what other stuff are you excited about from this set? Um, from this set, you know, sadly, like, there's, like, the little things I'm excited about. Um, like, Kazool's Toll Collector. Fucking stupid, but Kazool's Toll Collector just has zero attached target equipment you control to Kazool's Toll Collector. You can only use it as a sorcery, but I'm, I'm the big artifact nerd, so anytime I see, like, ooh, zero, like, attach it for free? <laughs> I don't know, my fucking brain just goes bananas, so I just, I just love that shit. Like, the idea of having this... Alright, this is how sad my dreams are. So if I had Kazool's Toll Collector and then Stonehaven Outfitter and Pure Steel Paladin at the same time. Legit. legit. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's like, that is like the saddest Boros wet dream ever. <laughs> it's so pathetic. But I wanna. What? I wanna use that Kazool's Toll Collector with uh, Blood and Brawl. That sounds awesome. Yeah. I actually like this guy. I mean, cool. it looks pretty sweet, you know? Yeah. Like, so, like, the little effects like that are what I'm kind of, what I'm really excited for, you know? So I'm happy when I can get that out of the set. Um, the rest of the stuff, I mean, the rest of the stuff looks cool. I'm not, I, I'm not huge into the Eldrazi's. I mean, the oats look okay, you know, as we're talking about cycles. Um, there's the, that Zendikar Resurgent I'm interested in. I'm like, hmm, that seems kind of neat. But, like, seven mana for an enchantment. I don't know. It'll be really good in the Mouse of Wander deck. Mm. Yeah, sure. You know, um, Bonds of Mortality, I think, is probably the that other one I'm kind of interested. Yeah, like that one looks really sweet. Um, you know, Bonds of Mortality is just one colorless and a, and a green for an enchantment. When Bonds of Mortality enters the battlefield, it's a cantrip, draw a card. But oh, yeah. pay one green, and creatures your opponents control lose hexproof and indestructible until end of turn. That's like all cool. creatures, not just a creature. So, like, that's pretty sweet. Um, yeah, I like that one. Yeah. So. All I heard was Boros' wet dream. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, Calvin. Kazool's Toll Collector, Stonehaven Outfitter, and Pure Steel Paladin. Boom. Boom. Come on. Nuts are busting all over the Boros Battalion. <laughs> just, 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 give, just give me all the weapons. All your equipment. <laughs> all the weapons. Draw some cards in Boros colors. And then get him back with, like, Resurrection. <gasps> I was... I was thinking of Aurelia and Gisela fanfic when he said Boros Sweat Dream, but I'll just go with what you guys say. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, you know, you can pick your own Boros Sweat Dream. Whatever's going to do it for you. Yeah, good. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. So, Mark, 
feel free to hang out for as long as long as you want, but just let us know when you need to back out, all right? Cool. All right. So, Calvin, did you have anything you wanted to add in about Jero Tazri, our five-color ally commander? Uh, actually, I just kind of wanted to hear what Mark had to say about it, but seeing as I'm the editor, I'm going to hear what he said about it anyway, because I wasn't here when he said it, but I will hear him when he said it. Time, time travel. travel. Was good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, next up, we're going to go on to our next Mythic Legendary, and this is what I'm actually really enchanted by, Ninvala the Preserver. She's 4WW, Legendary Angel, Flying Sci-Fi. Now, you might remember Ninvala from before as a 3-4 flyer for 4, shuts down activated abilities, sees a lot of cyborg play in modern, really powerful card, should have been in front of all angels, but neither here nor there. She's got flying, and she's got timely reinforcements built into her. When she enters the battlefield and an opponent has more life than you, gain five life. When she enters the battlefield and someone controls more creatures than you, get a 3-3 flying angel token, which, if I remember correctly, I think that angel token is actually worth almost $3 right now. <laughs> if only because people haven't opened enough of Pretty tokens. Yeah, I, I, I did not put it in angle token. What are you talking about? <clears throat> yeah. So, I'm actually really enchanted by, by this. Right now, I'm getting ready to do the from alpha build with Abyss and Guardian Angel. But I'm looking at Nymphala, and I'm wondering if I don't actually want to try her out as my commander for a little while. She's good enough that I'm actually looking at her in Kalia, too, because Kalia threw her own life quite a bit. So I can actually put Nymphala in there and pretty reliably get a replenish of life, like five life, that's two activations of Phyrexian Reclamation, or a couple of Lady Fingers. Definitely two cards worth for Erebos. Two cards and a half, actually. And those are two ETB triggers, right? Not just casting? Yeah. Okay. Just yeah, checking. pretty good. I like her. So like so those rune blink decks are going to have a fun time putting her in, right? <laughs> kind of. She's not in the fact that you can abuse, because as soon as you, ha- as you have the most life, you don't you stop getting life. As soon as you have the most creatures, you stop getting 3-3. She's still a sizable body, though. She is. Six is, six is kind of a lot, I feel, a little bit for her size, but... um. You know, uh, and she really doesn't really compare it to the first Linval even slightly, but you know, uh, she's still pretty good. I'll take her. We'll put her, we'll put her in some angel zombie good stuff, you know. Yeah, she's definitely stronger on her own than Avacyn is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially when it comes to that deck. Avacyn, Avacyn's kind of weird. This, this, uh, this one's definitely better than the Avacyn is, like by a million miles. Alright, so if no one else had, um, had Linval, then we can go on to Kalidas. So who had Kalidas? I'll, I'll do Kalidas. Um, so Cletus is, uh, two colors, black, black, uh, lifelink vampire warrior. Uh, he's in pretty much the same pose as he is in the last one, except for now he has, like, this weird, gross Eldrazi thing going on his head. Uh, anyways, uh, so there's lifelink, uh, now if a non-token creature an opponent controls would die, instead exile that card and get a 2-2 black zombie token on the battlefield. Uh, we also have the activated ability of two black, stack another vampire, uh, or a zombie, to put two plus one plus one counters on Kalidus. So, in a lot of ways, he's kind of, like, um, going to be the next standard answer to, uh, to Anafenza. You know, he has a very similar ability to Anafenza. Um, actually makes a token instead, but then can turn the tokens into plus one counters. So, it really feels like a, a, a mono black Anafenza. Um, and then, you know, Lifelink is pretty nice. Uh, I like this guy a lot uh, because the first Colitis was, like, seven to cast. And he was really cool. But, like, seven to cast just was super basically useless. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if he was toned down and was closer to five or four like this, he probably would have been one of the better used cards. So uh, I really think that at four, three, four, for a lifelink that can get bigger, this guy's going to be really good. And, like, 
the mid-range game, probably the reanimation game, like, probably put him in, like, a, maybe a birthing pod chain, because it's a really solid four draft, and if you don't need him, just get rid of him, you know? Actually, uh, I see him being pretty good in the mob black control deck, actually. Yeah, that too, yeah. I mean, just the fact that they, the, Anafenza are just wrecked. Like, I stopped playing Carador basically, because of Anafenza, and, like, obviously it's just getting worse, um, with a mono black version, so it's not just junk decks that are just wrecking me. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's controlly too, and he can get huge himself with, like, terrible, like, you can turn all the, uh, Army of the Dam tokens into, like, one big colitis, you know, so, yeah, he's pretty good. Alright then, so, next on our list, we have Eilie, Eternal Pilgrim. So, we're gonna go back to me for this one. Eilie, Eternal Pilgrim. She's only two mana, white, white and black. What was She's, that? Pilgrim? Yeah, the Eternal Pilgrim. Ashling? Is Ashling back? No. no, 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 no. This is her white cousin. Uh much, a uh, much more attractive. Wow. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, more attractive, but not as hot. <laughs> I know. I almost said hot, but then I, I was like, no, that's not, that's not correct. <laughs> so, for two mana, you get a two-three core clearance. Who has death touch? For all right, mana. all right. Two-three death touch. For two okay. Mana. All right, all right. I'm on board. So for one, and stack another creature, gain life equal to the sacrifice creature's toughness. Alright, alright, I'm interested. That's definitely better than the, uh, the original Ghost Dad. Mm. So, for one white-black, stack another creature, exile target non-land permanent, activate this ability only if you have at least ten life more than your starting life total. Man, super intense. <laughs> Her ability basically reads that if you... Eat, if you kill, if you sack another creature, you get to eat their booty like his groceries. Gotta eat their ass. Yep, and I'm out. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good night, guys. All right. Good night, Mark. <laughs> so, yeah. Eilie eats that ass. Uh, and if you happen to have 50 or more life in commander, she starts turning creatures into Utterans. Um, let, let's ignore the fact that this wants me to start playing black and soul sisters. And I, I don't know, like I like Daxos, but at the same time it, it felt like I kind of had to babysit him. You know? Yeah. Like you gotta protect Daxos, you gotta make sure he's out there so he he can get experience counters and make tokens to make use of those experience counters. But with I Lee she actually kind of fuels that reanimator black white deck that I was kind of looking at. When you're looking at the black when you're looking at the black white reanimator deck. You're looking at either like Vishcal, who costs like a million mana, or the original Ghost Dad, who, okay, you can sack something for one, blink him out, come back and drain something for one. But that's such a nominally small effect. But with Eilie, it's, no, no, she's much more greedy than that. It's actually, hey, sack a big thing, get all this life, and now that big thing's in your graveyard so you can reanimate it. And that's, I think that might actually be more in line with what I want to do with Black White. Yeah, that's I, she's she's really good too, just because of that death touch, man. Like, uh, so for such a small creature, uh, you know, she can block most of the big Eldrazi's in the set, and even like Kozilek and just take them down, and like, um, uh, give her first strike, and then all of a sudden she's like absolutely murdering everything on the field. So yeah, oh, night, like you give her like the uh the moon silver spear. Yeah, anything really. <laughs> let her uh, let her attack. Make a four four buddy. Stack the four four to gain four. For life and whatever blocks her just dies. So, uh, question, uh, show of hands, gentlemen, taking this general, putting her with a soul sister build like William was discussing, and then calling the deck Dark Soul Sisters. 
<laughs> I I think she would go really well, like almost interchangeably in a Karlov deck. I was yeah. um like it would be much less aggressive and more mid rangey and controlly, but they would play basically the same cards. I I, oh, sorry. I keep looking at the black white commanders and I keep thinking what I really want to do is I want to build a black-white deck that actually just plays most, if not all, of those commanders, because they do so many similar things that are just different enough. Yeah. I think uh, I think Soul Sisters is better for Karlov, because he's a little bit more early game. Or as I think uh, Ailey might be, you know, you were talking about reanimation, like like a, a true, like, kind of big fatty reanimation deck might be better for, for Ailey, because uh, the big creatures and stuff like that, and then... um uh <clears throat> Then, you know, if they're gonna kill your big creatures, turn it into a freaking exile, why not? But, uh, I think, like, I think they build similar decks, but Ghost Dad is so much faster, and she's so slow, and she has, like, control type abilities, so, like, but she doesn't have the combo that, like, um, that Baby Tasa does, cause, you know, Baby Tasa's kinda similar, she has an exile effect, but Baby Tasa just turns into, like, Combo City if you do it right, so. I think she kinda has her own deck. Like you said, it's similar, they're all make similar decks, but, really think that she could be good with, like, Karmic Guide and, like, Iona, if you're that kind of person, or just, like, um, you know, any bit, like, a Runescar Demon-type deck, you know, more, like, big baddies like that that get you a lot of value. Oh, if you think about it this way, like, a lot of the black effects that reanimate end up costing you life, right? Like, yeah. Like, the Frixian Delver, uh, reanimate, a lot of those effects actually drain you for, like, the creature's power or the completed mana cost, and oddly helps you get, like, a, a reimbursement on that when the creature is ready to die. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. So, yeah, the more I'm thinking about it, the more I actually like that quite a bit. <laughs> Go ahead, Gus. Uh, I was just going to say, I, I really I really think the uh, the big fatty reanimation deck is pretty cool. I like that idea. She's a cheap general, but, like, she plays a long game, so I think, like, you can yeah. kind of keep her around. Yeah. If she dies a few times, you know, you're not so worried. In those colors, you also have a lot of cheap token production. Like, if you mm-hmm. just throw a bitter blossom out there, when you get your life total high enough, you're just vindicating every turn. You're apologizing <laughs> to the table as everything is exiled. I'm so sorry. I did foresee this. Dude, throw an illusionist all. bracers on her. <laughs> you are golden. Yeah, that's a sub. Ooh, yeah. Okay, I'm I'm getting more hype for Ivy now. I, I read her when she was first spoiled, but she was so shiny that I couldn't even really like comprehend. This is really the first time I've sat down and like really understand what she's done, honestly, because. Like, oh, that, that legend's coming later. There's a lot of words. I'll get to that later, you know? <laughs> and, like, I could actually see putting, getting, like, another copy to put into my Carador deck, too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely Carador. And, uh, um, she's really good with, like, uh, Sisse, too, in that if you play Captain Sisse and Carador, because she's a really cheap legend that you can go get real easy. Nah, if I do play Sisse and Revy. Hmm. Uh, that won't work as well. Nah. I, I, I'm not a fan of that. <laughs> Alright. So, Clay, why don't you go ahead and introduce us to Jory N. That is, assuming Calvin didn't have anything else to say about Eileen. Uh, nope. Nothing really to say about Eileen. So, I'm just going to mute, as per usual. <laughs> Alright, so go ahead, Clay. Okay. Uh, Jory N., Ruin Diver, is kind of a cool dude. Um, I can't tell. I think this one's, if, a, I think this one's a girl. I, I can't tell. Well, we'll go with female. Because um, it seems like most of the legends in this set are female, except for... You know, Kalidas and Den and Kozilek. But, uh, Jory N. Ruin Diver is a 2-3 Merfolk Wizard for one blue and a red. So Merfolk are branching out just a little bit more. Um, and her text is simply, whenever you cast your second spell each turn, draw a card. So, 
essentially, like in any sort of deck where you want to be casting multiple things, um, like say maybe a Mizzix or a blue-red sort of storm thing, or even like blue-red value spells, um, can just get some extra stuff. She's really cheap to cast, so and she's not that threatening. So people probably won't go out of their way to kill her, but if you have, say, like an Isochron Scepter to be your first spell each turn, maybe that says draw a card to draw into a second spell, draw an extra card off of the trigger, um, or a Possibility Storm, so you cast one spell, and then you flip into a second one, and because that is your second spell, you draw a card just by casting one. Um, sadly, it only ever triggers once per turn, but it's each turn. So if you cast spells on your opponent's turns as well, you can just get some extra cards off of it. She looks like she would be best friends with Mizzix. Yeah. I I might consider putting her in. Um, I like to cast more than two spells each turn, but an extra card isn't that bad. I'm just trying to figure out why is it that blue seems to be slowly creaking its way into my color scheme. <laughs> it's bad enough we got a blue-red goblin. Now we got a red-blue merple. Go back to the water, fish stick. <laughs> Sick and tired of you floating around up here. It's like, like it's a mountain. There's nothing up here for you. <laughs> Go home. Calvin's racist tirade against Merfolk. <laughs> Fantastic racism. <laughs> uh, I mean, because of Mizics, this card is kind of underwhelming a little bit, you know? Um, it's not one of those situations where it's like, oh, you could put Mizzix and Jorian, or you could put Jorian and Mizzix. It's like, no. Jorian probably just needs to go in Mizzix because Mizzix is a much better general. Um, but on the other hand, there's not a lot of great is it generals for that price. So, you know, if you don't have a Mizzix or you just don't want to play him, like, Jorian seems fine, yeah. You know what Jorian really loves? Possibility for Yeah. That's what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you? I'm sorry. I'm uh, I was just about to say, didn't Clay just and, say that? And, and you know what everyone hates? Possibility Yeah, that possibility yeah. storm is the worst. <laughs> and yet, if you ask Sheldon, he will tell you that it's literally the card that he imagines when you ask what card embodies EDH. <sighs> no one fuck gets that. to play anymore. <laughs> Sheldon, if you are listening, I mean no offense, but fuck that. <laughs> hey, you can tell him yourself next week. Fair. Alright, so that's Jory, and we apparently have Calvin's opinion. So, Cassie, why don't you introduce us to the twins? Oh, sure. Um, so we have Mina and Den. Titty. Uh, Wildborn. Yeah. Some elf ally titties. Uh, it's, uh, two colorless red green, so four all together. Um, legendary elf allies. Uh, they're four four, so four four for four is pretty sweet. That's like, really nice thrun level. We like that. Um, now first off, they can play an additional land on each of our turns. So basically Oracle, Moldaya, Exploration. Uh, and then they have the activated ability of red green and return a land, uh, that we control to its owner's hand. And then target creature gains trample until end of turn. Um, so I really, really like these guys a lot. Uh, there's been a lot of good red green legends lately anyways, but I think these guys are kind of the better ones. Like, uh, I think I've heard probably a million, probably a million people have told me that Oracle Moldaya should be a legend so they could play, you know, as their general. And this is as close as we get. I mean, they are the leader of the Moldaya, if I understand correctly. Yep. Um, yep. So, so I think they're really, really good. I like that they're cheaper than Omnath and Bulbarigmos, which are my two, like, red green go-tos right now. Um, so, final thoughts on me and Dan Uh, I have nothing anymore. <laughs> yeah, they're good. So, Cal- okay, so Calvin, really cool. so Calvin, what do you think about the Wonder Twins? Uh, let's see here. Well, the one thing about it is, like, if elves were more in red, I'd be excited, because then I could feel like a red-green elf deck, but the only one I can really think of is, like, Bloodbraid elf. 
I mean, Rada, Rada Agro is already kind of a thing. Um, can kind of work with I that. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's like, you know, I'm pretty sure there's like a, you can build a red green aggro deck, but whenever I happen to see like a creature type in a color combination that it normally isn't in, the first thing is that comes to my mind is can I build a tribal deck based on this particular color combination that was unavailable to me before? Like mm. elves in, in a white, that's one thing. Elves in green and black, that's another thing. Elves in green and red are few <laughs> and far between. Yeah. She has a merfolk in blue and red. So how would you, Clay? <laughs> I mean, we just got one. Yeah, we had one before, and we talked about how stupid that one was. A merfolk that paints. <laughs> <laughs> the hell you know about shocking fish? <laughs> that's a goblin thing. <clears throat> oh, wait. So, me and Nim Wildborn, we're very happy to have them. It's going to be Oracle Moldiah number two in red, in a bunch of red and green things, I imagine. This one's for yeah. sure going to go, go into a Tarka and Karthus, which is good. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I got two copies of them. They are really cool. They're really good for the green-red Stompy deck, because for some reason not everything in green and red already has Trample. Um, I know um, Hayes pulled one out of one of his prize packs at a pre-release, and He's probably going to try and fit it into Prosh because having that extra, like, hey, we can ramp with you, and then we can also turn that ramping into just more damage getting pushed through. So it's cool. Yeah, they, they, I feel like they'll be in most every red-green deck out there. You know, it's kind of like Oracle Moldiah. It's just so good. There's so many different things for it. I just think it's better. If it's late game and you're not drawing that many lands, um, you can, you know, redo your land drops. Mm-hmm. Um if you, for some reason, have... Or, okay, here here's a wonder scenario here. Um, let's say you have, like, four or five dudes, and one of them is Mina and Den, and you have a Xenagos um, Planeswalker. And so you plus your Xenagos, and you get, like, four or five mana. You tap your Gaia's Cradle for, like, four more. Use Mina and Den to bounce it, play it again, tap it. Use the other mana from Xenagos to bounce it, play it again, tap it make, like, 15 mana for almost no investment. You can also have fun with the, the gruel, um, the gruel double land, you know? That, uh, that comes into play taps. Well, I mean, yeah, like, Amulet of Vigor style yeah. shenanigans, yeah. Or, uh, Nykthos. Yeah. <laughs> and things, Nykthos things also Things that play. let you return lands to your hand are really powerful, especially if they give you an extra land drop to replay that land. That's what I like most about these guys. That's a good point. Form of an incredibly broken card. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> see, the thing that, see, thing that comes to my mind when I was thinking about it is, is like not using her as a commander, but putting her in like a deck, like a red, blue, green deck. Mm-hmm. Using her ability to put lands back into my hand and then using the blue to shuffle them away to get other cards. Yeah, like like if I brainstormed her as something or a skull yeah. rack or whatever. Like, yeah, the lands are back in my hand. I've kind of thinned my deck out, but that's okay because I can now play this, activate it, Bounce the lands back to my hand, use the scroll rack, shuffle these cards from my hand back into my library, and draw a whole new hand. I also really like uh, Valakut uh, with her, or with those two, you know, just returning that mountain every turn to get super value out of it. Ooh, yeah. Twice. Yeah. yeah. Six damage a turn. <laughs> like, here's know. my mountain. Bounce it. Here's my mountain. Take it. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Oh, really, though? <laughs> Why wouldn't you want to do that? Valakut's so good. Because you're a fish. <laughs> Scapeship is a million dollars now, by the way, as well. Speaking of yeah. Falcon. <laughs> yep, that twin band. Yep. <laughs> All right, so, Clay, why don't you introduce us to our newest, biggest bag? 
Alrighty, the last legendary creature that we got in this set is Big Daddy Kozilek, back from his nap in the core of Zendikar or something like that. Um, Kozilek, the Great Distortion, you probably saw it a couple months ago when it got leaked. Um, it's got a whopping 10 mana casting cost, it costs 8 generic mana, and 2 colorless mana, so 8 diamond diamond, um, looking at what it is. When it is a 12-12 legendary creature, Eldrazi, when you cast Kozilek, the Great Distortion, if you have if you have fewer than seven cards in hand, draw cards equal to the difference. So you get to refill your hand, possibly more than the old Kozilek did, which only drew you four cards. Uh, it has evasion, it has menace, as opposed to anything else that it could possibly have. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, it could have had Trample. It could have had, uh, oh no. Kozilek and Olamog don't fly, that's only uh, Emrakul that does. But it could have had Trample, it could have had anything, but it has Menace. So they have to block it with two dudes because he's just that big that you could put two squirrels in front of it. And Yeah, you, you, you need to use two squirrels to block it instead of just one. Um, but you would need 12 squirrels to kill it. Give me all your mana dorks. Um, and then he also has a nifty activated ability. Uh, discard a card with converted mana cost X. So you discard a card from your hand and it looks at what the CMC is. Um, counter target spell with converted mana cost X. So you cast your Birds of Paradise, I discard a Brainstorm, your birds get countered. Um, yeah, that sort of thing. So, because you just drew seven cards from casting it, um, we probably have something at matching mana cost to, uh, yes. That, that is what I was referencing, William. <laughs> um, so yeah, Kozilek is really cool. Um, I have been talking to playgroups about building a ridiculous Kozilek deck, where the thing is, yes, it is colorless, it has no color identity, but I want to build five-colored Devoid. So what I've been talking to people about is, if we took that eight generic mana, and, like, took five of it away and just added Wooburg to the cost. So, in the end, Kozilek would cost three Wooburg CC. So, ridiculously heavy cost. Um, but then I could play anything that is devoid. Like, every card in the deck has to be colorless due to being colorless or um, having the characteristic-defining ability that is devoid. So then I'd get to build five-color Tribal Eldrazi. Um, not using the old ones, unfortunately. I would love to go infinite with a, uh, Ulamog's Hatcher and the, uh, the Blinky Dude. But it would still be a really fun deck to build. The Painlands would be absolutely amazing because they could tap for colors or for my colorless costs. But that is what I plan to eventually do with Kozilek. And I plan to create an engine using, uh, um, Codex Shredder and Rings of Bright Hearth to continuously loop cards back to my hand to discard the counter stuff because I want to be an asshole like that. What I love most about Kozilek isn't the fact that he has counterspells or that he just re- completely refills your hand. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love that he completely refills your hand. But the fact that this Kozilek requires Diamond Diamond in its mana cost, <laughs> it makes me feel like my colorless deck is actually true color identity colorless now. Mm. Like, you had that with the other Eldrazi and Karn, but aesthetically, it just feels like, yeah. It feels better. It, mm-hmm. it feels proper. 
I mean, I just like him because he gives uh, Connor Fells to, like, black and green and white, you know. Uh, whatever color you end up playing him in, because uh, I'm not, I'm never a big fan of blue. Uh, you know, they're, it's way too exclusive of a lot of the abilities, <clears throat> especially counter spells. There's almost no counter spells outside of blue. So I feel like uh, this guy gives a lot more like heaviness to the late game, where uh, you know something, something like uh, a handful of counter spells can just basically stop a, a late game play. But Kozilek, you get him out. Uh, you know, if they don't, if they have a counter spell, they'll probably try to counter him, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, if he's in play or you cheat him in the play or something like that, like, just sneak attack him at instant speed so you can counter spell or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it just, it's just nice. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not always a big fan of bleeding the color pie. Um, but I feel like, uh, I feel like the counter, uh, there's a lot of abilities that have stuck to blue that haven't bled out as much. And I really wanted to see that more anyways. And, um, uh, we also see it with like the the other colorless counter spell. Uh, I can't remember the name of it because I don't know the set well enough. But, uh, you know. Oh, out of this world. Yeah. Uh, no, no, the newer one that has a that has a true colorless symbol on it. Um, it, it counters. It's like a, a modal spell. It counters sorcery. Oh, um, how, what, uh, whale. Yeah. Warping yeah. Whale. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, warping whale. So like, so I like that. I like that a lot. Um, I like the kind of the way the um. The waste mana is bending the color pie, but also, uh, it's not, it's not easy. You know, like when, when they, when they gave you like Ulamog, it's just easy. But this makes it a little bit more difficult. You can't just cast it with, uh, with, um, basic lands, which is what a lot of blue decks do and a lot of, uh, basic decks have to do in general. You know, they get to avoid having non-basic lands. That was one of the things they got to do, you know. Uh, so I just feel like it, it adds a lot to it. In a lot of different ways, and, um, and Cole's like kind of like the, like you said, William, it's kind of like, uh, an officialness to, um, to colorless and just having to deal with it. Just a whole bunch of new mechanics that I think are, are really interesting. What about you, Calvin? Uh, something I wanted to chime in there about, um, this, well, it's not even just like the card, the card is what it is. Like, storyline-wise, I just kind of imagine Kozlik just kind of, like, being, like, the angry dad from upstairs. Or, like, you know, like he's taking a nap, and everybody else is, like, having this huge party, and he just kind of shows up, like, what the hell is going on here with a belt ready to whoop all the ass? <laughs> he does show up and then kills Vortha, like, in the first five seconds or something like that. Oh, yeah, oh, like, Jorah's <laughs> like, I'm going to summon the biggest fucking sea monster this plane has to offer. And Kozlik is just like, hey, you're dead. Yeah, he just like literally just stops on him or stabs him or something. And she's like, bye. <laughs> um, what, happened, I, what happened to Kiora? I haven't caught up on the storyline. I have no clue. Yeah. Can I can I just say something I really Did want to see happen? Did she steal something? Um, Kiora's a thief. I'm pretty with, sure she uh, stole something. She stole my heart. <laughs> with Kozilek's, uh first ability, the when you cast it, if you have seven cards, or less than seven cards, yada yada. Um, because it says if, if they cast him, and they don't have seven cards. Um, or never mind, that wouldn't actually work. <laughs> um, or let me hold on. I can hear Clay's brain clicking as he's trying to figure out a way to break okay. this claw. I I want to see someone, and he's got it. I I want to see him, someone but... who has Kozilek, um, have exactly seven cards in hand when they cast him, or like he is the seventh card. But they are like all lands, and they just want to completely refill their hand, and they're just like, we're gonna cast Kozilek, and in response to the trigger, cast one with nothing, discard the hand. Um, yeah. You could do that with the twins. True. Put them lands back into your hand. 
but then you might as well just not put them back in. If you're going to be discarding. Like if, if you're trying to get to that amount that you're My, for my brain wanted to do something silly, like causing someone to not draw the cards, but then I realized that if they started with seven other cards in hand, the ability wouldn't even trigger in the first place. So then there would be no way to just, like, spike it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, that, that would work. Um, to just, like, completely screw someone over. Let's say I have a hypersonic dragon. Um, you have seven cards in your hand and you cast your Kozilek. So you already have seven cards. So the ability doesn't trigger at all because you already have the seven cards because it's an if clause. Um, so the ability doesn't trigger. And then since I have this hypersonic dragon, I'm just going to be like, with send you at instant speed, discard your hand. The trigger never happened, so you don't have <laughs> Something dumb like that. So is yeah. that music I'm hearing in the background now? Uh, yeah. Someone. That was my phone alarm for bed, but I forgot I don't have to go to bed on Thursday, so I need to change that. So we've got Cassidy's beard, my car, and William's bedtime ringtone. Yay. <laughs> we, we did Amazing. Come on, Clay. Play. Put that ukulele in there. Uh, let me... Um, Okay. Now. And now the show is complete because that interrupting bitch of a Navi has decided <laughs> to jump in. My uh, life is finally finished. I can just die happy. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so overall, really like the commander lineup that we got in Oath of Gatewatch. You guys feel pretty strong about this class? What? I, I they're all fairly playable. Yeah, I, I like Amazing. I like all the cards. Yeah. Like... General Tazri, it was definitely a, we'll finally give people a five-color ally commander, and so she's slightly lacking. But everyone else seems perfectly fine and playable. Alright then, we're all done with these commanders, so next up, we're going to go into the final segment. We're going to go ahead and just gush about the rest of the cards that we're looking forward to playing with. Stay tuned everyone, we'll be right back. Send me a list. Sorry, I'm, I'm yawning. Kind of so, have to do a, a midnight release. How many cards me. each are we doing for this? All right, so there's four of us. I am doing zero. So there's three of us. So. <laughs> All right. So, when you're going through your boxes of Gatewatch, pre-release packs, booster packs, draft fodder, all that other stuff, and you're looking for stuff to pull, go ahead and try and keep some of these in mind, because these are some of the cards that we're looking forward to playing with, some of the cards that we're excited by, and some of the cards that I may or may not have already cherry-picked before we put out our stuff in the case. Just saying. So, first thing we're going to do is, we're going to look at the Planeswalkers, because, of course, those are our icons for the set. So, guys, who wants to read off Chandra Flamecaller? I'll, I'll be Chandra. Go ahead, Cass. Right. I'm, I'm a big fan. Alright, so we have, uh, the new Chandra, Chandra Flamecaller. Um, she's four, uh, red red, so six all together. Uh, starts with four loyalty. Uh, is of course a planeswalker Chandra. Now we have, uh, a plus one ability, uh, to put two, three, one red elemental creature tokens, uh, with haste onto the battlefield, and then they exile at the beginning of the next end step. So, you know, basically exiling kind of like, a uh, ball lightnings. I forget what the three one was, like, Spark Runner or whatever. I think it's Spark Elemental. Spark Elemental, yeah. thank you. Yeah. So she makes two Spark Elementals. Pretty good. Yeah. Uh, her zero ability is discard all the cards in your hand and then draw that many plus one, which is 
might be one of the strongest draw cards on a planeswalker in general. Um oh, yeah. uh the Certainly plus one the is the best one we've seen on the Chandra. Yeah, I mean this is I think this is probably the best Chandra. I mean there's a few that are pretty good, but I feel like this is the best at least for EDH. Mm-hmm. Um and you'll see I, why I uh, I still really like Pyromaster. Pyromaster, Pyromaster is also really good. She is really good and then um I, I also like the the rebound uh one on um uh God, I can't remember her name anymore. Whatever, the four drop one that uh Narset rebound. Narset. No, 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 not Narset. The one that uh she uh she copies the next spell you cast. It's a Chandra. Oh, oh just, Firebrand. Firebrand, thank you. I like both of those a lot. So I think I don't know if she's necessarily better than them, but I feel like she's a little bit more universal. Uh she's also the first one to make creatures, which I think is pretty important for planeswalkers, but they can't defend because uh, they die at the end of the turn, so it's kind of moot. Um, the big reason I like her, though, is her actual, her final ability, which is minus X, and she deals X damage to each creature. Um, so it's not really an ultimate, because it can be played right away. You can, you can play, pay six and basically deal four damage to all creatures, uh, right away. Yeah. Um, but just it's in general. No, yeah, exactly. And I mean, like, most of the, most of the offense we've been getting from Chandra has been, like, deal one damage to a creature, and then, uh, I think it was Pyromaster who, ooh, made it so that creature couldn't block. Oh my god, right? Yeah. Uh, now, now she actually wrecks face. She will destroy entire armies without even really thinking about it, which is the way that I think she should have always been. Uh, six is a little high. That's the only thing that I don't like, but I'm okay. I'm okay with it. They gave her good abilities. She's not terrible at all. And like, that's, that's more than we've asked for in a long time for Chandra personally, yeah. you know. She's an absolute beast in the, lim- in the limited environment. Yeah, yeah, of course. Because the, uh, the like aggressive Nyadex, like, um, for the pre-release that I played it, I ended up in basically Naya allies, mm-hmm. and there was one match where my opponent had Chandra, and the one game that he drew him, I just could not do anything. <laughs> like, Chandra came down, immediately neg freed to wipe my board, and then was just sixing me every turn. I couldn't do anything. She's actually just fantastic with Omnath, because yeah. if they don't block the elementals, they take six. If they block the elementals, they take six. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Good point. <laughs> so... Calvin's having trouble connecting, but we'll ask him when he gets back on. Okay. So, Clay, why don't you go ahead and read Nissa off for us? Uh, Nissa, uh, voice of Zendikar. She's finally back on her home plane, and her home plane is finally liking her again. Yeah. Um, she costs one and a green and a green, so she only costs three. She's the cheapest green planeswalker we've had, I think, aside from Domri. Um, she comes in with three loyalty. Uh, plus one, she protects herself by putting a zero-one green plant creature token onto the battlefield. Uh, minus two is probably the most relevant ability that she has, because it's so powerful. Uh, minus two, put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control. So if you're going wide, which if you're in green you probably are, she's a three-mana anthem, and then she pluses and makes another dude. The next turn you can kill her to get another set of plus one, plus one counters. She's really strong. And if no one is attacking you, you can just keep making plants and then eventually uh, build up to the ultimate, which is minus seven. So if she gets played on turn three and just keeps plussing, you'll hit it on turn seven. Um, and it says, you gain X life and draw X cards, where X is the number of lands you control. So if you play her on two or three, if you have a turn one mana dork, and you just keep doing your mono green ramp thing, by the time you alter, you're probably drawing at least ten cards, which is nuts. Absolutely nuts. But... Yeah. Go ahead, sorry. No, no, you go ahead, because all I was going to say was, like, but they're only 0-1 plants. So? I, I mean... They, uh, they block, and, 
Avenger of Zendikar makes them bigger. Like, exactly. She's basically Avenger of Zendikar on a very tiny planeswalker body, honestly. But really? Yeah. Um, I mean, this is the first Nissa that, like, actually makes tokens as opposed to either, you know, animates lands or goes and grabs out that, uh, weird elf creature. Um, so that's nice. Uh, like you said, the army buff is really nice. Uh, I, I, I'm kind of have mixed feelings on her. I don't feel like she has a really big impact in, in EDH because she doesn't do too much. I feel like she's probably going to be ridiculous in like more limited formats or, or like con- yeah. you know the, the competitive formats. Um, she's still strong. Yeah, she's still strong. But like when I'm thinking about all the other planeswalkers I use, like um, you know the World Waker Nissa untaps a bunch of lands. Garrick Wildspeaker he untaps lands. You know uh, the green planeswalkers are just so much more impactful than her. Um, but you know like you mentioned the the plus one counters and all your creatures could be really really important in the later game. Um, it doesn't, I don't feel like it works well in the stompy type deck, but like in a token deck, like Rice the Redeemed or something, she's probably going to be really, really good. Oh yeah. Like, I will, if her price settles down after the pre-release hype, I'm probably going to pick one up to stick in Dagatar. Yeah. Just because getting those counters is super important. You good in decks like Gov too, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Any of the Abzan token, or Abzan counter decks. I'm, I'm probably going to pick one up from Wrath, but more mm. so because she has the Ajani give everyone a counter buff yeah. than anything else. Like, I'm not knocking the fact that Avengers Edicard can, in fact, pump the plant tokens that she's making. They but, they also block pretty well. No, they don't. They're just, <laughs> they're literally just speed bumps. And not, and not effective speed bumps. But if they don't have trample, then it doesn't matter. A blocker is a blocker. But it means they're also going into them without the risk of trading. A blocker is a blocker, William. But Elspeth makes a token. It's a 1-1, one, one, and it has the possibility of trading with other tokens. Elspeth costs twice as much. <laughs> well, not the not the first Elspeth. Not Night Aaron. It costs one more, and it makes one extra dude. And that those tokens have the chance, the chance of trading by themselves. But the 0-1 plant is just... I don't hey, see hey, those plants. She's yet. a 3-mana I mean, planeswalker that makes a body. You can't really expect it to be a one-one. And not only that, but I mean, like, um, uh, when in the grand scheme of things, at least she's making a token, you know, and uh, uh, you can pretty easily make those tokens bigger. It's not impossible, you know. So yeah. there, there, there is some aspects to it, um, but definitely they are, aren't great blockers. It could, it could be much worse though. Like, it, it, it could, could be, be like a minus ability or a zero ability or something like that, you know. At least it's the plus one. You're just you're getting that a little bit of value while you're plusing her, at least, you know. All right. So let's go ahead and get on to our main card. My first one is going to be the Baylock Null. So in this set, we got a cycle of gold cards to help kind of lead drafts, which means the primary bulk of this set is either Devoid or Monocolor. And I'm actually okay with that after the craziness that was the cons set. So <laughs> Baylock Null, four black green. Zombie Beast is a 4-5, and when he enters the battlefield, return up to two target creature cards from your graveyard to your hand. That's this card's a monster. Yeah, I didn't notice that one before. This is really cool. I might pick one up for Sadissi. <laughs> it's so gr- great. Like, it's a zombie, so it's already got tribal support. And then it's literally, slay this guy, regrow two creatures. <laughs> and the buy's not bad either. Probably putting it in Sadissi, this... This card can wreck limited games really quickly. I, I really like the color of the art, to be honest. Like, 
The sickly green. Yeah, it, I think it's going to be like one of the brightest colored cards in a Golgari deck. I don't know. Most of them are very much darker. I'd love to see it in foil. Yeah. <laughs> it's just blinding almost. Alright, so, Clay, what's your card? Okay, my first card is uh, Endbringer. Probably the coolest, um, completely colorless Eldrazi in this set. Um, it costs five generic and a colorless for a 5-5. Five five. Um, however, it untaps during each other player's untap step. So, we're getting value off of this no matter what. Didn't we just ban Prophet Crucifix? <laughs> hey, it's only this one creature that does this. Until you copy it. Um, until you copy it, or, uh, I'd probably pair this guy with an Unwinding Clock and a Sol Ring, simply because... And a Mycosis Lattice? Um, I would not put a Mycosis Lattice. <laughs> but anyway, um, so... Wait, damn it, man, you messed up my mind. <laughs> Much okay. like and So, Micah says players may spend mana as though it were mana of any color. Does that mean you can't spend colorless mana as colorless? Yeah. Which means it would shut down colorless mana-based strategies. Um, well, hmm. I mean, it, it says like may, so I guess you could still produce colors and spend it as colors. Regardless, um, Endbringer untaps during each other player's untap step. It can tap to deal one damage to target creature or player. So every turn we're gonna ping a dude, um, and uh, it doesn't stop there. It also has colorless tap. Target creature can't attack or block this turn. So when you uh, get around to the person who has a Voltron commander and they haven't given it shroud or hexproof yet, you just be like, "Well, you aren't attacking." Or let's say it's. Uh, someone's turn and they're attacking someone else and you want them to die, you can make one of the uh, receiving end dudes unable to block. So it has two really relevant abilities and it untaps during each player's turn. However, there's another one. And the reason that we would pair it with an unwinding clock and a soul ring is because it also says, colorless, colorless, tap, draw a card. Like, this card is insane. Yeah. I love it. It reminds anything, me of Staff of Domination, actually. Yeah, like, anything that can reliably produce two colorless per turn should run this card. Like, <laughs> it's great. And even if you don't have the colorless, you can, like, start pinging players, you can pick off small creatures, you can finish off creatures that are almost dead. Like, it's a really cool card. I it's, like it. It's an all-star. I think we'll see that in a lot of decks. Any deck that can make colorless or has a lot of it is just going to want that guy, I bet. Yeah, I approve. Let's see. Ooh, hold on. I oh wow, I did not realize that they ch- are changing the way that we draft with Oath of the Gatewatch. Hmm? Are they? Uh, yeah. Small sets are now enlarged to the size of the new draft structure. It's two boosters of the second set and one of the first set. I oh. I was wondering if it was going to be like battle battle Oath or Oath Oath battle. It's Oath Oath battle. That's so much better. I that is relevant information for tomorrow. I would have done it the yeah. other way. Just by default. I'm about to. I'm going to have a draft in about two hours, so that's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Cassie, what's your next card? Um. Uh. Well, actually, my first card uh, is going to be Thought Not Seer. Um. Let me pull that bad boy up. So, uh, Thought Not Seer. Yeah, and I like I like how it's uh it's spelled Thought Not like a you know like a tying enough. A Thought Not is kind of a funny little phrase. Anyways, uh, so Thought Not Seer is a three colorless and a um. Or three generic and right. a colorless. Yeah, so three generic and then a true colorless. Um, 
when it comes into play, you get to look at target player's hand and exile a non-land card from it. Um, and then, uh, oh, it's also 4-4 uh, creature Eldrazi. And then um, when it dies, you get target you make target uh, opponent draw a card. So it's kind of like a huge colorless version of Mesmeric Fiend, uh, except for instead of having the kind of like old school um, Oblivion Ring, Fiend Hunter kind of interaction, it just it doesn't even give back the exile card. They just get to draw another card uh, when yeah. it dies. So um, I'm a big fan. Uh, same reason I like Kozilek. You know, it gives uh, targeted hand disruption to non-black colors, which is another thing that's not in any... There's no Inquisition of Kozilek or thoughts even any other color besides black. Um, or at least not that I can think of. And uh, so I like I like breaking the color pie in that way a little bit. Um, he's, uh, you know, he's 4 for 4-4 four, four is also really nice. You know, it's a nice mid-range body. It can block some things. It's not, not super great. Uh... And uh, just in general, I like I, w- I kind of want to play this and everything. It's it's gonna go in the same decks that's going in uh, the Endbringer deck, you know. Um, just any deck that has enough colorless or utility lands, and you want to like get extra control value out of, like really really good card. My favorite thing about this card is that you can target different people with each ability. Exactly. Yep. So if you know someone's <laughs> playing a combo deck, you can like eat something out of their hand when you play it, and then when it leaves the battlefield, you can give someone else the card. Yeah. <laughs> it, it it also has a really sweet art, like yeah. probably one of the coolest looking Eldrazi they printed with this big gross eye thing on the front. And so, yeah. are magic cards with the googly eyes redundant with this? Uh, uh, no, because I do want to see that giant eye thing replaced with a googly eye. Yeah, I could I could totally deal, but it it looks good without the googly eyes too, which is a lot of the Eldrazi in these two sets have looked all the same and been really hard to tell apart, at least for me, anyways. Um, so I really appreciate that this guy looks different and is different and kind of like has more of a separate feel. Yeah. You know, it doesn't just feel so, so generic like the rest of the Eldrazi do. <laughs> <clears throat> Alright, so Cassidy Spear, which card do you like best? I, I, I apologize, I was struggling it again. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so going on to my next card, it's Void Shadow. And this one's gonna seem really familiar, and there's absolutely no reason why that should be. It's one blue-blue, instant, devoid, so it has no color. Ignore those blue symbols at the top. It is actually just not any color at all. Counter-target spell. If that spell is countered this way, exile it instead of putting it into its owner's graveyard. You know what I love? Counter-spells. You know what I love? Making sure that they can't get those spells back. You know what I love? Dissipate. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's just dissipate number two. And what else do you love? Not getting blown out by Pyroblast. Yeah. Or or having a counterspell ready to go when someone names uh, Iona Blue, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's right, actually. Devoid Dissipate. Actually, as an aside, when I was trying out the Avacyn Alpha build on Tuesday, I kind of realized just how badly these Devoid cards are fucking Avacyn over. It's or like, Iona. Oh, Avacyn or Iona? Avacyn. Specifically, the small Avacyn. Because mm. she can't... I mean... She can't fog him. She can't protect her buddy. Just, there's none of it. It makes Ugin worse, too. All these colorless creatures running around that he can't exile. <laughs> Unless he shows up on their side. <laughs> yeah, and they're just bros. <laughs> True. Alright, so Clay, what's your next card? Uh, my next card is the other ridiculously awesome value Eldrazi. Um, Worldbreaker is a 5-7 for 6 and a green. Um, yet it it is a mythic rare. That's devoid, of course. 
When you cast Worldbreaker, exile target artifact, enchantment, or land. So, immediate removal, it's kind of a little bit smaller than Olamog. You only get one target, and it's fairly limited. You can't kill creatures or planeswalkers, but uh, it also has reach. So it just kind of like snatches little flyers out of the air. Um, and then it also has an ability where you can pay two and a colorless and sacrifice a land to return it from your graveyard to your hand. So it recurs itself, it exiles things, and it blocks like a champion. I like it. I'm tempted to try and slip it into my Tassigar deck just because I play Life from the Loam to recur the lands that I'm sacrificing to it <laughs> as repeatable removal and like just inevitability. It comes back, it exiles your resources, you're going to die one way or another. It's a really, really good card. Uh, I like that it's green, which means <laughs> you can put it in, in uh, Titania, you know? Just yeah. Sack of land, get it back to my hand from my graveyard, yeah. and look, five free tokens. Seems good. That uh, does work. <laughs> are there any Black Eldrazi that make tokens? Black Eldrazi. Uh, not sense. Black Eldrazi, but there are the... Um, there's there are the, a couple Scion makers, I think. You see, with Sifter Skulls, whenever a non-token yeah. creature dies, you get a woman uh, Eldrazi. But he's not a, he's not an actual Eldrazi himself, right? He's like a human or something? No, no, no. no Sifter Skulls is an Eldrazi. Oh, is he now? Okay, I, I was thinking of... Actually, it's, it's, one, it's one of the new rares. Right. Uh, I remember. I was thinking of the Lumog, which is very similar. I get confused. Yeah. My bad. Okay, because I'm looking at this, and I'm like, you know, I... Damia has been really missing the, the Ulamog and Kozilek since I took them out to make their own deck, mm. and because I sold off my extra copies. But this might be a good replacement. Mm-hmm. Not only would it be a good replacement, I could actually see myself going with what with kind of what I saw last night with a uh, Sultai Eldrazi Travel deck with all the tokens. Mm. Like, yeah, I think I could actually really get behind that. Just. I like the Scion tokens. They're they're pretty cool. They don't have that same problem as the plant tokens. <laughs> no, they don't. In fact, the new ones actually look sweet because they have the diamonds on them. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, that does look really cool. And diamonds are a girl's best friend. <laughs> Hence why they're going in Damia. All right, so Cassie, what's your next card? Um, My next card is uh, Sphinx of the Final Word. Um, <laughs> uh, this card. Uh, it's... It's literally the worst for control mirrors. I can I can imagine just like people getting so mad. It breaks the mirror in half. Where oh, I went the wrong way. Hold on. I don't know why I didn't put these pull these card out before I had time. Not not very smart. Okay, here we go. Okay, so I kind of remember what he did, but I want to read it off loud anyways. Now, okay, so he's uh thinks of the final word is uh five colorless. No, uh five generic. My apologies. Uh blue blue creature sphinx. That's five five. So you know sphinx of Wilson, that kind of stuff. Um, first off, it can't be countered, which is really nice. Um, it's flying and hexproof. Uh, hexproof and can't be countered already. I can, <laughs> I can see a million control players like crying. Uh, and then, uh, instants and sorcery spells that you control cannot be countered by spells or abilities. So, uh, you know, it reminds me actually a lot of Teferi, uh, Mage of Zalfir, because he just yeah. comes down and shuts down control. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and this guy's gonna do the same thing. The thing I like about this guy is that, uh, the hexproof is pretty brutal. Uh, you know, basically at this point, and hexproof. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like basically at this point, the only thing that's gonna be really problematic is like overload, cyclonic rift, evacuation, wrath of god, that sort of stuff. But like, most like targeted removal, counter spells, it just shuts down everything. Um, it's a little painful that 7 for 5 5, you know, that kind of sucks. Uh, you know, if it was like 3 4 for 5 or something, like I'd be totally down, which is, actually that's what Teferi is, so there you go. Um, <laughs> 
But it's still pretty good. Uh, you know, it's big blue. It's more, it's perfect for commander to control deck to have one of them gets out the other one just basically has to scoop or get yeah. creative, you know, so that's big, big fan of this card. You know what's Especially up? if you can throw like a dark steel plate on it. And the only, <laughs> then the only thing you have to worry about is like cyclonic rift and final judgment. And then you just have counter spells to counter yeah. them. <laughs> You'll see those six and seven mana spells coming from a while. It kind of makes me think of it as almost like a blue chroma. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. seven I'm, mana for a body that's really hard to get rid of. I mean, like the the sphinx of the steel wind is technically the, the yeah the blue chroma, but yeah, <laughs> maybe more accurate as a blue avatar. Yeah, or blue Iona almost. It feels like something like that. Like just really, 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 really painful for the right deck, you know. All right, the so sphinx of the spot word is real sweet. Going on to our last round of cards. My last card is Needless Spires. Wait, what? Is it Needle Spires? Yeah, it's Needle Spires, but it's also Needless Spires. Oh, fair enough. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. I, hope, I hope I didn't read that wrong. <laughs> it's, and it's because it's more or less exactly what we knew the red-white land was going to be. It's the man, it's the red-white man-land of the man-land cycle. It is play tapped. It makes red or white. You can pay two red-white to turn it into a 2-1 red-white elemental with double strike and then turn it still land. Um, <laughs> I wish it had just been a little bit bigger. I mean... But... At least it's slightly better than Boros Kiru, um, in that it's a 2-1 instead of a 1-1. Yeah. yeah, but Kiru you could activate for 2. True. I mean, I wouldn't say any of the new man lands are like really overpowered anyways. None of no, them are really like they're all, social colonies, you know. They're all totally fine. Right. So the the blue red one is going to be amazing. I, I, I do like the blue red one a lot, but it, it, it's also kind of dirty, you know. <laughs> yeah, but the thing so. is, if you need to block, it has a sizable ass. If you need to attack, it hits really hard. Right. I feel like, I feel like uh, the red the red blue one at least like isn't supported by a lot of other good creatures. Yeah. Whereas like need, needle spires is like, oh look my other this is my seventh double striker at, at you know just let mana so I think we're okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, think uh, the blue red one will probably see modern play and like just sky control and stuff. But. Yeah, I mean I think the black green one has death touch. So that's something. The black white one at least has life link. Yeah. Honestly, I think if we're looking for a disappointment, it's probably the blue-green one. <laughs> That's yeah. proof. I mean, they're all good, but, I mean, just, like, with the Needle Spires, my point is that, like, 2-1 Double Strike is, is decent. 3-1 Double Strike would have been ridiculous. You know, less mana to activate it would have been too good, too. So, I, I think would, they I would have taken that as a 2-2. Two, two. Well, 2-1, two, 2-2 two, two doesn't really make as much of a difference with Double Strike, right? It's really, like, yeah. don't. Go for big or go home with double strike, you know. I mean, but yeah. it means it doesn't really trade with a uh, a one three. Yeah, that's true. There's not. I mean, I don't feel like there's a lot of one threes running around though. Like that doesn't. Feel Especially like not in commander. People don't. Yeah. People don't play omen speaker. No, no, they don't. I can't I, even. I can't I, remember what that does. <laughs> it's the the one three uh, for two that came from Theros block. When you oh. play it, you scratch it. Yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, yeah, that that would suck to come up against an omen speaker, but. I, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> on the other hand, if you give this thing plus two, it, it ends up dealing eight damage. So I think there's a, a pretty good balance, you know. All right. Like yeah, awaken, awaken is a thing. Oh yeah, yeah, or just like oh, put awaken on it, and then all of a sudden it's a huge double striker, you know. Mm. All right. So Clay, what's your last card? Um, my last card. Um, I'm going to give a shout out to Bonds of Mortality. We went over that one earlier because that card is insane. Um, 
But as for one that we haven't talked about yet, Captain's Claws is a really cool new equipment that definitely goes into pretty much any of the equipment weenie shells that exist. Um, it costs two mana to get out there, so it's really cheap. It only costs one to equip. Equipped creature gets plus one, plus oh, so it doesn't give that much of a buff. Um, it's a bone saw that costs mana. But whenever equipped creature attacks, put a 1-1 white core ally creature token onto the battlefield tapped and attack. Um, basically, anything you equip it to becomes kind of a uh, smaller Brimaz, mm-hmm. and it makes allies. So if you're playing the ally deck, you'll get all of your rally triggers before blockers are even declared. So if you have the, the ally that gives all of your dudes menace, even if you don't play anything from your hand, you just attack. You get another dude, and they both get mints. Um, if you have a coat of arms, or another equipment from the set, Stoneforge Masterwork, which is just coat of arms for a single creature, um, they get bigger. It's really cool. I like it. They, they also look extremely, extremely scary. Like, if oh, someone yeah. came at you with the captain's claws, you're like, no, you win. I'm uh... <laughs> they, look, <laughs> they look very sharp and very painful. Yeah. Those are made to kill all Drazi, so I don't even want to. I don't want to deal. <laughs> I actually found a promo version lying around the store, and they look very oh. shiny. Oh, really? yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, from the pre-release, you mean? Yeah. Okay. I I would hold on to them because they're going to be really popular for any sort of aggro strategy in EDH, and it's just a really cool card. I like how it's two to cast and one to equip, so it feels <laughs> it feels fast enough, you know. Yeah. All right, then. So, Cassie, last card of the night. Uh, Okay, so I'm going to go, well, mostly because Clay took the two that I really wanted to do, World Breaker. Oh. Breaker. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <It's funny laughs> Sorry. My first thought was like, yeah, World Breaker, and you're like, I'll take World Breaker. I was like, all right, fine, someone's doing it at least. Uh, so I'm going to go with Gob- uh, Goblin Dark Dweller. Um, Dark Dwellers, rather, there's multiple. Um, it is uh, three red, red to cast, creature goblin uh, for four. Uh, it also has... Uh, I'm sorry. It's a 4-4 for 5 creature goblin. There we go. Uh, it has the menace ability, uh, which, you know, we talked about a little bit. Could it be, could be anything else literally, but, you know, we'll take it. Uh, so, when it enters the battlefield, uh, you may cast target instant or sorcery card well, with CMC 3 or less from your graveyard without paying its mana cost, and then if you do, it gets exiled. So in a lot of ways, these guys are kind of like, uh, snapcaster that can only target small cards. Um, it casts it for free, but, you know, it's it's, a, it's more expensive than the Snapcaster. So, like, if you were Snapcasting, like, a three-mana spell, basically you're getting the exact same value out of the Goblin Dark Dwellers, except for these guys also have a body at 4-4 with menace, you know. Uh, they are missing Flash, so they can't... They don't... They aren't a red or a blue card, obviously, right? They aren't built for blue. Um, but I feel like they're they're really good. Uh, you know, you can have them target, like, uh, a Chiretic Ritual if you play that. They could be another Lightning Bolt. They could be... Kadama's Reach. Kadama's Reach, yeah, in, in multicolored decks. There's a lot of different things you can really do uh, with these guys. Uh, it's also a really cool art. I really like the, the way they're kind of, like, climbing down and, like, uh, uh, coming at you and stuff. And, um, and, you know, I appreciate big red creatures that do stuff. We don't get a lot of them. Like, I feel like the last card like this that we really got was, like, uh, the Charmbreaker Devils, you know, and that's been a long time, so. Cool. Yeah, it's a part, apparently the promo pre-release version that I actually got in my pre-release kit is worth something close to $8, because there's speculation that this that the uh, the Jun decks of Modern are going to try and play this. Hmm. Flashback Blightning with it. Flashback yeah, Blightning, Abrupt Decay, various things. And there's a lot of good targets. Maelstrom Pulse. 
Yeah, that actually sounds pretty good. <laughs> I I could see them playing a four four for five to do that. Not quite as good as Bloodbraid Elf, but so strong. so like you go Oath of Nissa, draw your card, Tarmogoyf, Liliana, turn four, play another Oath to pump up your voice, turn five. These guys kill whatever needs to be killed and just win. <laughs> I can see it. Yeah, I like them. They're cool. Alright, so a lot of great stuff here in Oath of the Gatewatch. I definitely feel like it's just a lot stronger now that I don't have to worry about that third set. Mm-hmm. Also, as an aside, Hedron alignment. <laughs> <laughs> so so great for casual decks. Yeah, something all right. Alright, so this aside has a, has a bit of a story. When we got the uh, the display model for the Battle of Zendikar pre-release, you know the Hedron? Oh, God, yeah. So I put that together, and like within a week, somehow the Hedron became my waifu. <laughs> so the, the running joke at work was that okay, the Hedron is William's work wife. So finally brought the Hedron home uh, a couple weeks ago because we were moving some stuff around the store and there just wasn't room for her. And that's fine; she's kind of fra- frail, so the, the work environment was a little hard on her. Uh, Hedron alignment gets spoiled, and my roommate sends me a text. He's like, "Hey, so you're gonna align your waifu?" <laughs> and, and I had sent him back, uh, Tyler, here's the thing. This car, it's aligned my harem. Let's get this straight. <laughs> harem alignment? Yep. I, uh, uh, I, I was talking to someone and he said, you know, I wish they had given it like the Relentless Rats clause or even like a clause that says like you can play up to like six in your deck or something like that. Oh, yeah. That's just so great. that you can, just so that we could have this swing condition in EDH. I might have to build a really stupid modern deck with serum powder no. with this card. <laughs> like, exile one to serum powder, discard another one for faithful saluting, cast the third one, and then just have the fourth one again. That works. Well, works is, works is debatable, but, I mean, on paper. <laughs> <laughs> on, on paper. And magical Christmas land. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, but it is now... Just past ten, we have reached the two and a half hour mark on recording, and we've talked quite a bit. So it's time for us to get ready for take it to the outro. All right, make sure the recording is still going. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> two and a half hours in. I gotta go to work pretty soon. Alright. So, this has been Commander Cast episode 233. I want to go ahead and thank everyone for coming out here tonight. Glenn, thanks for being here tonight, despite the snowpocalypse. Yeah, no problem. Gassy, thanks for joining us all the way from the Gaming Ghost. Yeah, sure, thanks, man. Alright, and if uh, Calvin had gotten kicked off of Skype and Mark was still awake, they would say they would love seeing her too. I mean, I guess me being late makes up for Mark having to go early. And Cassie being here fills our wrestling quota for the night. True. <laughs> we didn't talk about wrestling, but that's okay. It would have happened. Yeah, probably. Alright, so guys, let's go ahead and hand out that content information. Cassie, people want to reach you, how can they do that? Uh, Probably the best way to do it is actually just friend me on Facebook. That's the best way. You can also send me an email uh, at my email that I actually use now, which is Cassidy at thegamingoat.com. Um, I also have an email for my article, but I don't really check that a lot. Mostly just because I have like six emails now, and I just kind of forget. 
Uh, I don't really do Twitter either. Um, I maybe I'm old, uh, but I hate it. So uh, the best way, definitely Facebook or just send me an email, whatever. All right, Clay. If people want to reach you, how can they do that? Uh, people can find me on the Gmail and the Twitter and the Reddit as EDH Panda. Uh, my girlfriend Mallory and I also occasionally stream on Twitch as Panda Alpaca. It's down in the show notes, and you can follow us on Twitter to get updates about when we actually stream. All right. If you want to get in touch with me, I am W-I-E Hernandez at gmail.com. You also follow me on the Twitters. I am at BlueRam1409. If you want to get in touch with us here at CommanderCast proper, you can email us CommanderCast at gmail.com. You can also follow us. We're at CommanderCast. Check us out on the Facebook page, manned by me and Calvin and the Waffle Cone. And now that I actually have a job where I can use my lunch break to use the laptop and post stuff, you can expect more regular postings and things of that nature. The Breaking News Prophet Krufus probably the most successful post we've had, so there you go. <laughs> Hopefully I'll be able to stay up on top of that more often. Let's go. I bet you are. <laughs> but hey, if you don't want to... You can go ahead, leave us a message on the show, on the site, on you know, Reddit, on Twitter. But if you don't feel like leaving that, you can leave us a five-star review on iTunes, and we'll read up any of the five-star reviews you leave on air. And Do we have any this week? It's been a while. Okay, but if you like what we do here, and you don't want to leave a review or a comment, then maybe you consider supporting us on Patreon. Some of you are donating already, and I am looking forward to paying you guys back for this awesome support. I'm working on the video series right now. I'm mapping it out. I need to talk to a couple of the guys here to hash out the idea for it. I'm already recording the, te- the games and the test videos now. And that's working out really well so far. I'm really excited about the film alpha. I might... I might end up switching to involved, but I'll have to ask some people around what they would consider fair or not. We'll have to see. But thank you all so much. Big thanks to everyone here at, Command, at the Commander Cast Network too. You know, I, everyone who's create, who everyone else who's creating content and helping to keep the site going. You're all fantastic people. Music for our show is the Acme's Heavy Metal Series by 331 E-Rock. We'll see you next week with more community, strategy, and technology. Until then, let's get it! And it's only gonna be lit, lit in here as long as the fan's on. So no, it's like it's like a shaking sound. Oh, uh, that I don't know. Maybe I'm just moving. I have my I have my headset 
uh, as like a um, what's it called headphones or whatever. So maybe that's it. So bizarre. So it sounds like beads rattling around a thing. Oh, I, yeah. I thought that was just a baby rattle. <laughs> I figured somebody was like entertaining a child. So. Oh. That's weird. I didn't hear anything, so I hope it's not me. <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> I mean, my son was in here earlier with his Millennium Falcon toy, but that sounds more like the Millennium Falcon than like a rattle. <laughs> what? What the hell is that shaking? <laughs> <laughs> the beating of his hideous heart. <laughs> and then they, you know, they have a lot of cool interactions with things like, uh, like, what? Uh, oh, what? What is going on in the background? I have no clue. Uh, I was just about to ask. Is somebody in chips or sucking on a Slurpee or something? Oh, I might be playing with my beard. That's probably what it is. <laughs> <laughs> my bad. I'll this stop. whole time, I thought. <laughs> so you... every every time you went to Cassidy, he just starts. He lays back menacingly in his is chair, strokes his is, beard. Is it this sound right here? Yes. Okay, I apologize. That's me scratching my beard like a, a weirdo. I apologize. <laughs> I is that what that had... was earlier? I thought you had a kid in the. In... <laughs> <laughs> My kids are asleep, man. It's seven or eight. It's eight o'clock our time. They're asleep. <laughs> this, okay, this podcast is not big enough for us and the beard. Sorry. Well, yeah, it's because I'm using the the earbud like default phone, so it's right so, on so Cassidy's beard, how do you feel about the twins? Uh, I love the twins. They're the amazing sauce. Uh, and they work really well with, like, uh, like the, the, the amulet bloom kind of modern shenanigans of returning lands and triggering landfall over and over again because they're activated ability. So, uh, yeah, they're just really versatile, really good. Um, you know, giving target creature trample isn't super relevant all the time, but uh, you know, it can be relevant sometimes. Yes, get the beard under control. Oh, is it still happening? Yes. Oh, no, I apologize. Yes, it definitely is. <laughs> the beard is a mind of its own now, Cassidy. <laughs> Run. <laughs> Run, Cassidy. Is that, is that better? I can't I can't do anything else with it besides um, David. I, I, I can still hear it a little bit. All right. We can't. Maybe it's not I don't worry about it. I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can figure out a way to get it out in editing. Maybe it's, I've maybe been, it's I've been able to remove semi-trucks and cars and Hondas. I'm pretty sure I can probably tame the beard. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not moving at all. So, well, actually, maybe just my mouth moving is enough to destroy the, the balance of the universe. I, I guess if your microphone is like touching your beard, your yeah. your mouth moving, probably. Do that. All right. Because that's what it sounds like. Cassidy. Cassidy, here's, here's what I need. What? You do right. Okay. So just hold your microphone. Reach your hand up. Everybody else, shut up. Cassidy, scratch your beard for like three seconds. This is the best podcast ever, guys. Oh, yeah. All right. It should be enough beard scratching where if I do the sound down, the truncate silence and all the editing, the beard might just disappear. On the plus side, I might get rid of the beard. On the downside, it may take Cassidy with him. So I will make that decision come some. Yeah, they're good. So, Cal- good. okay, so Calvin, really cool. so Calvin, what do you think about the Warner Twins? Uh, uh, in all honesty, I was too busy thinking about Cassidy's beard. This is completely got derailed. I'm thinking about breast and beers. <laughs> well, uh, can, uh, can somebody read to me what the Warner Twins do again? 
surprised you guys are doing an OGW set review so fast. I don't usually wait for a little while. Uh, what we've been doing is we do the initial set preview, but this oh. is like, this is supposed to be a preview. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. It, cool. It's just it's just a week late for what we usually would do. Okay. Because the holidays messed us up. I didn't realize that the set was coming out like that weekend. Oh. So we spent a weekend kind of dicking around and catching up. We after that we did a year back look back review for Fate Reforged, and now this week we're finally getting to Gatewatch. Gotcha. Okay, cool. And then next week we're going to have Sheldon on to talk about some of these role things. Oh, nice. Oh, oh, is he definitely going on? Yep. That's sweet. That's awesome. That's right. Mark's been looking forward to actually talking to Sheldon. I mean, yeah, I, I, it was sweet. I got a chance to talk to him last time he was on, but I mean, it was just, I don't know, it's just cool to talk to Sheldon. It's like internet yeah. celebrities. It really yeah. is. He wants to talk about uh, the league that he ha- that is set up in his store. Oh, that's cool. He's a, he never talked about Commander ever on his, on his Facebook. That's one of the funniest things I've heard. <laughs> what does he talk about then? I mean, I, this is the only thing I know Sheldon in, like, besides that, I know he had the wine thing going on yeah, for a while. Yeah, wine, he does school, and then what was the other thing? Like, he's kind of like, he was National Guard maybe or something, so like every once in a while there's something kind of like right-wingy, you know, not in a bad way, just that's, that's just like the thing that comes out every once in a while. Yeah. But never, never magic. I don't hear ever saying anything about early ADH. Interesting. <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and get into this. So, in our community today, we, we will in fact be talking about three new changes. Sorry. Oh, I said that over. Pretty, pretty good for a small set, honestly. They're they're doing a good job of, of fan service for the, the EDH community, I feel. Yeah, I think so. Yep. It also helps that they don't have to, like, try and save anything for a third set. Yeah. No, I, I really think, like, that's one of the things they actually said was the reason they did it. was like, we just run out of, of juice and we have a bunch of crappy cards in every set. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> like, yeah, looking back, especially Born and Journey, like, yeah. 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 I feel like, I don't know, maybe they hired some new guy and he came in and he's like, what if we just printed good cards? <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. I, I think there is a Well, I mean, like, Melissa Del Toro joined R&D. I don't know how that really works out. And then, uh, uh, she wasn't in there early enough for the Battle for Senegal design. Oh, okay. I gotcha. Uh, I mean, I know. if oh, you want, sorry. I mean, if you don't want to know what technically happened, what happened was they just got done with Theros. They were working on comp. On cons working about with the okay, how do we do something special with a three set block? Oh, what if we made it pivot on the middle set between the big blocks? Okay, mm-hmm. but at this time they're also real- seeing some of the results of Theros and being all, well, damn, we still have this damn third set problem because we saved all the good stuff for the third set and now the second set is just shit. And, and but, the third set wasn't great either, honestly. <laughs> the, the third set. <laughs> The third set had a lot of the stuff that people wanted for the enchantment world. Right. With all the enchantments matter type stuff and global effects. But Born of the Gods was just really not great. At the same time, Aaron Forsyth is like, you know what's not working out for us? Corsets. Well, if there's just, we, we need to figure out a way to just fix corsets or something. And so we get into a meeting of the minds between Morrow and Aaron, and it's like, oh, wait, what if we axe the corset and turn in, turn these uh, blocks into two set blocks. And from there, the rest of R&D gets involved, and they start figuring out the new rotation, and the cart, and the, and the set sizes, and it just fixes all of their problems. Seems legit. I think I'm the only one who misses core sets. Uh, I kind of like them. They always brought back a lot of cool, like, little 
Easter eggs and flavor and stuff like uh you know Audric was had the Abyssinian sword and stuff like that and then we saw another yeah. Abyssin you know so I, I mean, like some neat stuff in there yeah I, I mean I thought they did a really nice job with Origin so but I mean I if that, it means they're going to play yeah if it means they're going to come they're going to have more story time and stuff and actually just come back to Innistrad faster you know I kind of I can I can dig that too like all right you don't need to to like do so much like uh you know service to the older fans if you're just gonna get back to it faster anyway so uh, I still need to think of I still need to think of a way to spice up Innistrad pre-release like now that I'm working here full time I want to just start making pre-releases like a su- almost like a pseudo festival type thing like, yeah like really make them what they're supposed to be like just really special more than just hey come out and play the cards like a week ahead of time like no make it an experience. <laughs> I uh, I always like to keep things simple personally because I, I forget and uh like my last my last store my last business partner he liked to throw pizza parties and shit but it was always such a such a thing like putting everything together and so stressful and now it's just like eh, it's just I got cards you guys come and play you know <laughs> you'll get it a little early we'll talk about the cards we'll make it we'll make the prices good you know yeah <laughs> but like we're on the east side of Columbus and they're closer in the center. There's a store that we've established is like the competitive pre-releases. Like they're the ones who host the gauntlet for people who want to go through like all five or six pre-releases and whoever has the most match points at the end of the weekend gets like a special prize and like gift boxes and, st- and stuff like that. Like you could go and they go you know, like the full six rounds and stuff. Once we real, once I realized stuff like that was going, was their jam, I was like, okay, you know what? Like, we're going to go be here, we're going to have it relaxed and loose, we're going to cut it off for four rounds so people can still get some sleep, yep. we're going to pay out based on uh, record rather than, than uh, where you play, so everyone gets to go home happy, get, like, two and two guys can get a pack, and hey, some of them actually opened an expedition from their one pack, and they were super stoked about that. And then we'll trade them back to the store, equals profit, yay. <laughs> <laughs> That's more or less what happened. Yep. Like, hey, hey, you can trade in the expedition and pre-order your box for next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I we opened a lot of the Battle for Zendikar because I wanted to pull the expedition so I didn't have to deal with uh, taking them in and then their price falling and being angry. But then, like, uh, you know, they just get open like crazy and people don't want them. So. <laughs> but someone else does, you know, so just sell them online. Yeah, after the uh, Star City event this month, I think it's actually next week? What's Calendar look like. Oh, your God, it is next weekend. Damn, I thought I was actually gonna get a chance to play modern, but John's gonna be out of town that weekend. Yeah. Oh, uh, no, not yet. Yeah, it's not yet. <laughs> Opposite of yeah. Yeah. More different yeah. Uh, after the TCG event, uh, John's gonna put those on online, so we'll be able to move those. <sighs> yeah. I just don't want us to go through another purging of the case again. <laughs> like last November, he needed the money, so he went through the, the magic case and just pulled out all the expensive stuff that he, that he could sell. He had to sell them to another store for like 50 to 60% of what they're actually worth, and that killed me. Just buy, yeah, he probably just buy a list of the cool stuff. That's what I do when I have way too many magic cards, which is always... More or less, but it just completely killed our magic stock. Yeah. Yeah, it, it feels dirty, but, you know, it's just one of those things you gotta do sometimes. <laughs> well, hopefully, it's, we won't actually have to do it. The list had at least is now paying for itself because we'll use the money to get off the website to order stock and then that stock pays for itself in like a month or so. Whew, thank you, Bushy Road, for co- creating collectible card games. And hey, is that Clay? Clay? Does he live? Clay, are you on mute? Or does he not have his microphone set up? 
Clank? Maybe maybe stuffed animals can't talk. <laughs> um, do you guys have a lot of vintage legacy stuff at your store, Will? Um, no, unfortunately. Okay. Like we've got a place that a forcible in, in the case, but that's for hey Clay. Mostly, we get people who are getting like the they, they open their packs and they'll sell stuff in so they can get some modern stuff. But mm-hmm. the only big formats we have at our store are Commander, Modern, and Draft. Okay. Like all mm-hmm. the standard players go to that store on, in the center of Columbus and on the west side or north side more so. Like we're just in a, we never buy our standard. Yeah, that's And we've tried, but mm-hmm. it's just, unless it's like a PPTQ or game day, it just never fires. And even when it is game day, we get like eight, ten people at most. <laughs> Games day, I actually even I get usually like twenty to twenty four people in my little tiny store for uh standard on Fridays, but uh. I'll hold the game day the next day and still only get eight. So I don't think there's kind of this. I've been doing game days for like two and a half years almost now, and every single time I've had eight to ten people. (laughs) Maybe a little bit under uh, advertised, but yeah, like especially when I had like three times the size of the crowd, like not even like six hours earlier. (laughs) We are getting pop. Popper is starting to pick up on Wednesdays though. We've got a group of guys who come after school and they just come and play Popper. What I should do, though, is figure out a way to get one-on-one commander tournaments going. Oh, man, it's awesome. We play it all the time. All right. All right, so Mark will have you talk about General Tazri. Uh, let's see. Uh, Clay, which one do you want to talk about? Huh? Let's see. What do we have here? He's got... Oh, Mark's going to be handling Tazri. Tazri. Uh, so Can I call the rule guys? I just did an article on them, so that'd be easy. <laughs> all right, so... Minute- so Mina and Den for Cassidy. I can take Kozilek and maybe Eile. I I can do pretty much any of the other ones except maybe Kalidus, or at least I've thought about things for all of them except maybe Kalidus. Kalidus is just good. All right. I so could talk like, about any of them. Just give me give me some uh some things to talk about. Yeah, I could I could do Kalidus if you if you want because uh he's pretty he's pretty effing. I definitely want to talk about Lizvala and Eile because I'm looking at both of them as potential commanders right now. Is it Ilya or is it just Ilya? Yeah. Ilya. 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 It's just Ilya. No A. Yeah, it's just A Y L I. A Y. Oh, I had the card literally in front of me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ilya. It reminds me of uh, it reminds me of the um, Chrono Trigger, um, Cave Woman. She had a really similar name. I just realized the new Kozilek has menace. Yeah. (laughs) I thought it was trampled. No, it would be better if it had Trample. Yeah, Trample would be better. True. Okay, so we'll go ahead and get right into this. So, Cassidy, a mm. uh, question for you. Yeah. Have you had a chance to see my Boros Resurrection deck? No, uh, Mark was talking about it a little bit, though. That sounded pretty uh, pretty interesting. Well, I personally still haven't had a chance to actually get to play it yet, because now I'm working seven days a week and finding any time to do something other than building a damn deck is almost impossible. But I have heard from uh Man in the Field, uh El Nuts over on Twitter has gotten a chance to kind of slap together a variant of the deck, and he says it's actually doing pretty well. He really enjoyed it. Is that Brian Stoddard? No, it's, no, it's got uh, Kalimni. Oh, okay. Because, you know, some of those phoenixes are, are five mana costs, so since they come back to your hand, you get to just recast them and pump up those extra experience counters for her big oh. ass. Okay, so yeah, Phoenixes and you play like Karmic Guide and stuff or 
I don't really know. What, I don't know if Parmigod is in there. Maybe. It's uh, been a while since I've had a chance to see the deck, and I don't have my laptop with me, so I can't pull it up. Uh, and if I try to go to the Internet while I have my Skype on my phone, I will die. All right. So, oh, and I finally got a chance to find my second um, scour from existence. Ah. Let's see. I want to take a rough guess that want to take a guess at how many packs of Battle of Zendikar had to crack to find it. I want Endbringer and Worldbreaker. I take it as nobody wants to take a guess then. Fine. Okay. I'm gonna guess three. Nope. <laughs> what, what was the question again? How many packs of Bad Wars Indicar did I have to crack open before I found my second scour from existence? Uh, Zero. Four? Nope. Ten? I got, I got scour, I got my first scour from existence for my first Zendikar, for Zendikar pack. <laughs> but ever since then, I've opened about at least 25 packs. Because I have 25 of those, um, full art lands from Battle from Zendikar. And on my 26th pack, when I opened up yesterday, I finally got that one card. So, as far as my math is concerned, as a common, it takes 25 packs for me to find it. <laughs> I've got to go through damn near an entire box of magic to get two copies of a common. I mean, they do that for limited reasons. But it's a common. But it's a common. So? But it's a common. Don't you tell me you don't buy into the conspiracy that commons aren't actually all created equal? They have... They're not all packaged equal? They have, like... One or two uncommon commons. That's and I'm assuming it. that I'm assuming that in my print run of whatever box or that I basically bought that scour from existence is the uncommon common. I have a ton of them. Okay, I've, I've picked <laughs> my three: Worldbreaker, Endbringer, and Bonds of Mortality. All right, then. Let's see. Where am I? Let's go. Let's... I actually don't have permission to edit the uh, document, so I can't put anything in. Uh, what? Let me change the settings real quick. Damn it, it's on Ken's view. I need to. Sh- I think Mark. I think Mark did it or something. I don't know. Yeah, I blame Mark. Like, damn it, Mark. <laughs> All right, good cast. <sighs> damn it, Clay. I am Hold ready on. to after no, this because um, we're about to get a huge snowstorm. So yes, we are. So uh, so what we did this evening was uh, we found out that the leasing office for the place that we were uh, looking to live um was open until seven. And there were only like seven or eight units left for the one that we were looking at. And we were going out this evening anyway to like go to Target and get some food and stuff just in case we like can't leave the apartment complex over the next couple of days with all the snow. And I looked at the website, leasing office is open until seven. We're like, let's just go ahead and go sign the lease because we were planning to go do it tomorrow. But if we get snowed in, we can't really do that. So we went and we did that. So Mallory and I are officially going to be moving in together. Um, in an actual Yay. apartment and not a student housing thing um, in August. It It is a house. It's like a two-bedroom thingy. Yeah, townhouse thing. Um, and then we went and we bought some alcohol and some food to tide us over for the next couple of days. <laughs> Mallory got a uh, a thing of loopy vodka. Ooh. It's It literally tastes like Fruit Loops. Oh. Um Okay. <laughs> um, and apparently it goes really well with milk and crushed up fruity cereal. So we already had a box of fruity pebbles and a thing of milk. So we're looking forward to that. Oh, oh you haven't tried it yet? Um, and after this, because we don't have classes tomorrow, because it's going to be snowed all to hell, going to go hang out across the street at our friend's place and probably drink alcohol and play EDH. 
It's going to be great. Yeah, what? Darksteel Pendant. Uh, Darksteel Pendant's hilarious. But is it better than Sears Lantern? Because Sears Lantern actually makes mana. Sears Lantern makes mana, Darksteel Pendant is cheaper. And in Destruct. It's a trade off. They, they both have their merits. There we go, Needle Spiders. Sears Alright, we all set? We're all set. Yeah, I'm still looking for my last one. I can't remember what they're called. There they are. Dark okay. Steel Pendant's also cheaper to activate and cheaper to cast. It is. But Sears Lantern actually makes mana. True. It's a trade-off. Hedron Crawler also makes mana. Okay. I've got my three. Alright then. I'll go ahead and get us going.